Mason, you ready to have some fun? I'm always ready to have some fun. All right. Well, you're going to have to wait until this song is over. Getting born in the state of Rhode Island, brain of Albert Einstein, tongue of Scott Weiland, and Quahog, he was killing Lois, shooting her with ray guns, talking like a poet. He never knew that he was the funny talking babe, until the funny talking dog left his mouth agape. Actual thoughts on atheistic thinking, taking craps on the floor, he knew that it was stinky. He's a writer, nothing that you've heard of, going on Bimar, having a crazy blow up. Going on adventures together for the sake of jokes Risking it all for the folks Stewie Cohog, what the deuce? Brian the dog just let loose Family guy, show us your teats Wanna get Lois in the sheets? Yeah, yeah! He's a literal, actual talking baby. Fucks around with Brian, who can get a little crazy. With a name like Stewie Quahog, you knew this motherfucker was gonna befriend the dog. A little loaded, he was being kind of a grump. Whose leg do you gotta hump to get a martini around here? Stewie Quahog, what the deuce? Brian the dog just let loose. Family guy, show us your teeth. Wanna get Lois in the sheets? Yeah, yeah. Who knew the show was actually good? Who knew no one actually liked that shit? Too true that sometimes it's not that good. But that's partly why he likes it. Seth MacFarlane almost died in 9-11 Woke up hungover, was supposed to leave from Logan Never made it back to New York City Some guys in 9-11, 20 years later it's funny Now in the 2010s he saved us the best for last Family guy's funny again Yes it is Stewie Cohog, what the deuce? Dog just let loose. Family guy, show us your teats. Wanna get Lois in the sheets? Yeah, yes. Do we cohog? What the deuce? Brian the dog just let loose. Family guy, show us your Wanna get Lois in the sheets? Yeah, yeah. Now there's a one-minute guitar outro, Mason. 
Oh, gotcha. We're gonna so just hang out for one minute here. Or what do you want to what do you want to talk about during the outro? Uh, I might just want to get some water. Actually, I forgot <laughs> to get some water before we started. You better do it so quick, like, man. You I'm gonna do, do that, that real quick. quick. Okay, okay, hold on a second. I'll be right back. I promise. Are you guys enjoying this? This is the first time I think it's ever just been me. <laughs> Solo without me sitting on the mic. You guys, this is a good little outro, actually. Nice. 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 Dude, perfect timing, actually. Not going to even lie. Perfect timing on that one. All right, he's drinking the water. He messed it all up. <laughs> yeah. He messed it all up. That was um uh well, this the song parody was was excellent. Really liked that. And I nice. liked that uh it allowed us to break the form a little bit and I could take a little little mid-show break or a little early show break, I guess. I you know, just about that- say, do you think this is the middle of the show? Do you think that we're at the halfway point already? Yeah, I mean, why not just have a ten-minute podcast? Hell, some people would. Some people would literally be on their hands and knees. They've been begging us for a ten-minute <laughs> podcast for about two years, my friend. So, please, God, please, God, uh, cut down the episode lengths by about ninety percent, please. Yeah. I get a DM that says that uh, once every time we drop an episode, and they see the album, the album lengths, the episode length. Yeah, it's from your fucking mom too. Please it is from my mom. Says, <laughs> I only have so much time to to listen to your show and support it each week. It would mean mean so much to me. This is my mom talking. It would mean so much to me if you could just cut down the time on that these episodes, <laughs> so I had more time to do other things except for to listen to your show. And I say, no, mom, it's my show. I call the shots here. You're not the boss of me now, and you're not so big. Life is Life unfair. Is unfair. Yes. Um, Mason, let me tell yes. you something about the Red Hot Chili Peppers real quick that maybe will be exciting to you. Do I need to get more water? You won't go on. You go ahead and get some more water. Real <laughs> okay. Quick. No, okay. please sure. God, please okay. God, no, do not get more water. No, just so what? What is it? What What is this so exciting about the? What is this exciting fact about the Red Hot Chili Peppers you need to share with me? Um. Whether you believe this, what I'm about to say or not, this is actually true, what I'm about mm-hmm. to say. Mm-hmm. I have only been to two concerts in my whole life. That's not a joke. I've only been to two concerts in my whole life. Mm-hmm. And one of those concerts was the Red Hot Chili Peppers at the Rose Garden in Portland, Oregon, baby. Uh, during my sophomore year of high school. Well, I guess if you want to count that shit, then I've been to more than two. I don't really count that shit. Though, did, you, did you go to like Blues Clues Live and shit? Sesame Street Live, but yeah, same shit. Oh sure, yeah. we did. Blue, I did Blues Clues Live with my sister and my my grandma and grandpa. That's cute. It is cute. I mean, if I guess, the, do you want? Not do you the real count, Steve like, was there. Well, well, fuck him. Fuck that. Fuck that guy. Seriously, yeah. I'm I'm serious. Are you talking about <laughs> Steve, or are you talking about fake Steve? Yeah, both. Fuck him. Okay. All right. Who, yeah. Who needs sure, him? Why not? Fuck him. I guess what I like, I mean, I've seen like, I've been to more live theater than I have concerts. 
because my sure. grandparents love live theater, and so I got to go see stuff when it would come through Portland. Been to see some stuff on Broadway in my life in New York, thanks to my grandparents. Mm. But only been to like truly like two concerts uh, in that in the traditional sense, and one of them was the Red Hot Chili Peppers. It was in 2012 <laughs> uh, at the. It wasn't the Moda Center at the time. I think it became the Moda Center later, but it's where the Blazers mm-hmm. play basketball. Uh, it was just called the Rose Quarter or the Rose Garden, mm-hmm. as it was colloquially known. Uh, and they were great. I have a very soft spot for the Red Hot Chili Peppers in my life. I know that they're a little bit of a meme, a little bit of like Gen X rock, like dad rock a little bit. But hell, tie me up and th- tie me up and throw away the key. I'll listen to fucking Danny California. I don't give a shit. Danny California was, like, the only song on Rock Band that I could get, like, over 90% on the <laughs> It doesn't that. require a lot of, like, your, like, kind of vocal ability to, uh, to, you just to gotta do keep it up. well. You just gotta, yeah, exactly, you gotta keep up. Um, so I also have something of a soft spot for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I don't think they're, um, they're very, uh, I, I think I would, I'm gonna just go and say it. I'm going to agree with you. They're a good band. They're a good band. I like they to listen to them when I listen to them. You know? I agree. I, I like them. I, I think they're good. I legitimately have seen them live, and I can't say that about 99.999% of bands out there. You know? How many other how many other bands have Flea in them? Not a Damn. lot of bands have Flea in them. <laughs> Not a lot of bands have Flea, Chad Smith, Anthony Kiedis, and then a revolving door of guitar players. Sometimes John Frusciante. <laughs> Sometimes, Sometimes Dave Navarro. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I saw them live. They were great. They did... What's uh, the other concert you've been to? Justin Bieber for the My World Tour. Quite the two. Quite the two. Quite the Both two. at the Rose Garden in Portland, because that one we had... My grandpa had season tickets to the Blazers. So you never like saw friends' bands in like college or something like that? I mean, okay. <laughs> okay. Hold on here. Hold on here. I've seen my friends' bands in college. I don't. I don't really consider. I guess that is a concert, but I guess I mean like paying, going, and standing in line, and all that different kind of shit. Of course, I've seen. So you've my never gone to see something play. at like in. Let's just say. Let's just. This is the going to be real LA hours. You never gone to see something at like the Echo, or the Tyrogram Ballroom, or the Roxy, or no. the uh, what's the one that's da- that's uh, down the Fonda friend. Yeah, or the Fonda, or the, um, where did Rocky Pajarito go see Dan Deacon? He oh, good us. question. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I don't up, remember, up, but the Belasco? The Regents. The Belasco? Oh, the Regents. No, the yes. Regent. I believe the Regents where I saw Alex Cameron um, in 2018. I gotta see that fucking guy in concert, dude. That's he he's so is... He might be my number one person to see in concert right now. Well, I hope that he comes around on tour again. I hope that he's either getting a new album out or, or doing something or other, uh, and not just uh, having hot sex with his his beautiful partner. Jemima having Kirk. a succession with his beautiful wife. Yeah, having a succession with his beautiful <laughs> on the eve of the <laughs> succession premiere, having a succession with his beautiful wife. She is gorgeous. All the rich white folks are people. gonna have a suck session, and the one and the one that wins is going to. G- oh my god! What are you, you know doing? The, what the fuck are you, you doing? You know, man? you know the demi, uh, the demi um, lyrics to the succession theme. All the rich white folks are going to argue, and then the one who wins is going to get a kiss from daddy. Do you know that? Oh come no. on! 
It's Sorry, great. It's own. it's uh I can't hear the succession theme without putting those words on over it. When um, you say Demi, theme... do you mean Demi Adejuibe? Yes, Demi Adejuibe. Thank you. I I I gotta get better at saying his last name because he is a voice <laughs> of our generation, and I gotta give him the proper respect. Every September, well, actually, I think he's done making those videos, but for the last couple of years, every September, yeah. you knew it was coming. You knew it was coming, and he should take a break. He, I th- he really outdid himself with this this last one. Uh, oh yeah, it was I like a the... full on production. It was crazy. Yeah, it was like uh, if he if that's how he wants to go out, I say let him take a break. You know what? I'm not going to tell him what to do. He's a smart fella. <laughs> Jesus, he's <Christ>. dedicated. <laughs> he can do whatever he damn well. Please. Yeah, he doesn't give a um, fuck what you think about, about his September video. No, he wasn't. Why would why would anyone give a fuck what I think? <laughs> Particularly. That's of all point. the people to listen to and give a fuck what they what they think. What this guy <laughs> I've been saying that for two years. So You've been I, saying that ever since you met me. <laughs> ever since you said, Hey, I need to watch the three hour movie that we're covering for our Because first I was coming back from a road trip, asshole. Yeah, fucking irresponsible piece of shit. Anyway, saw Justin Bieber on the My World tour, my grandpa had season tickets uh to the Blazers and they gave him a special deal and just him knowing nothing about pop culture. It was like, right. oh, your, my, my grandson's, what, 13 or whatever, and my granddaughter's, you know, 9 or whatever, 9 or 10. Yeah. They'll love to go see that. So it was like yeah. he bought, like, tickets for me, my dad, and my sister, and we all went, and it was a fucking awesome show. Like, no no irony, no anything. He's an amazing performer, just straight up. And he's super talented musician. Like, ulti- like at, at bare minimum, he is an amazing drummer, Pretty damn good guitar player, from what I've seen, and a great—he was great at, when I saw him at that show. And obviously, that was during the Justin Bieber is gay <laughs> online. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of stigma around me, a man, going to see Justin Bieber. You know, in a thirteen-year-old man, thirteen-year-old <laughs> young man, uh, going to see another young man <laughs> perform. Because that's obviously that's the gayest thing you can do is go see a concert, fellas. Is it gay if you if you as a man go see another man perform on stage? We're gonna play. Drop a comment below because in honor of Keemstar retiring, quote unquote. Did you see that Keemstar is finally retiring? I I barely know who Keemstar is. I Same. barely know. Yeah, He's I like just a know that that's a forty-one year old man who like like recaps drama online. So yeah, he's retiring, quote unquote. So congrats to Keemstar. Is he retiring to get like a real job? Like what? <laughs> Bro, I don't think that I don't think that guy needs a real job. I think he's fucking set. But that is beside yeah. the point. Um Imagine being Justin 40 Bieber. years old and caring about what happens on like YouTube. Well, brother, let me introduce you to Keemstar <laughs> real quick. A man who deeply cares about what's happening he's, in the he's realm. He's been of very quiet in the uh, in the Zoom chat, uh, folks. But now is the goodest time as any to introduce <laughs> our guest this week, Keemstar. <laughs> Yo, what's up, motherfuckers? I'm retiring. <laughs> I'm fucking out of here. Oh, he just left the Zoom chat. What a fucking asshole! Damn, what an asshole. We tried so hard to get him on this damn show for two years. Now he's out. For two years. Uh, no, it's 15 minutes into the episode. <laughs> this is usually when we this is usually when we stop bantering. It's yeah. 15 minutes into the episode. Um, but Justin Bieber was great in the My World Tour. I'm, That's what yeah. I'll say. Genuinely I, a great concert. Gotcha. I'm sure... Um, I've never seen Justin Bieber in concert. I've gone to quite a few more concerts than you have. Sounds um, like it. 
which will be uh, which will come up later in the episode this week. Uh oh. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, but uh, I'd see Justin Bieber. I think. Welcome to it's on. Shut up. Welcome to it's on the list. This is a show about (laughs) underrated albums, movies, and a whole lot more. Mostly seeing Justin Bieber in concert. Mostly Family Guy. Mostly doing farting. Mostly shooting your pants. I'm of course the host of the show. Whether you like it or not, actually, I say that on my favorite podcast. I'm not actually going to say that one on. It's on the list. I'm the host of one of the hosts of your show, Noah Marger, aka Funny Talking Baby. With me as always, Sleepy Joe Biden, Mason McGuire, Funny Talking Dog Mason. What's on your mind, Mason? Uh, I'm the other host of this show, and if you don't like it, the uh, skip 15-second button is right there, and you can pop over anything that I say, and it would not affect me in the slightest. Uh, You know what I actually do, Mason, is I have it set on my podcast app, 30-minute skip forward. Excuse me, 30-second skip forward, not 30-minute skip forward. (laughs) (laughs) For this show, it is a 30-minute skip forward, but... (laughs) yep. For every other Listen podcast. to the parody song, you go bloop, 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 and then you're on to... Uh, the plugs. This and then I just get to yeah, the plugs. Yeah, you're on to the plugs, yeah. Your yeah, favorite part of the show. <laughs> it is my favorite part of the show, because that's when I know it's over. <laughs> that's, when I, that's when I know that I could go take a shit for once. Um, I have it set for 30 seconds skip forward, 15 seconds skip back. Because usually if I'm skipping something on a podcast, it's an ad. Right, 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 right. That makes sense. So I just have it set for 30 seconds, because it's like... Yes, that's fine. That's fine. Or you're skipping, just skipping, skipping the sound of my voice. That's true. I listen to yes. every episode of this, but only my voice and the guest voice. Whenever I hear Mason's voice, it's boop. No thanks. I don't even if even if it's congruent with what yeah. I'm saying, or even if it's at the same time, if it's simultaneous, you're done. Get wow, out of you here. would do that. You would do that. <laughs> I would do that to myself. Yes, I would risk not hearing the sound of my own voice just to miss your voice. Damn. Um, but before we get into our lovely topics this week, and we do have some lovely yes. topics this week. We do. actually do have, this show actually does have a, uh, I'll say it, it's an important announcement, right? Very important announcement, yes. Yeah. Um, this is not a bit. This is 100% sincere. Uh, I'm Noah, of course, one of the hosts of the show. Uh, I talked with Mason a couple weeks back, let him know that this is kind of where I'm at with things. Um Early next year, not 100% sure what it's going to be, but sometime early 2022, I will be leaving uh, the co-host seat of It's on the List. There's no bad blood. There's no creative differences. I'm just kind of ready to do some other stuff. I got my other podcast I'm back in LA. I'm just kind of ready to be, be done, move on, do some other things that, you know, Let's face it, maybe it's not clear to some people, you know, who maybe don't do a podcast, but I've said it before, and I'll continue to say it, this is not just get on the mic and say whatever, you know, there is work that goes into this, both on the front end and the back end, Mm -hmm. and that takes creative energy, and that takes time, legitimate time out of your day, and when you're working, there's even less time to do all that stuff, It 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 just takes a lot of time. I've been doing this for two years with Mason. I've had a really, really nice time these last two years, but uh, I am personally wanting to move on to other things, spend my time focusing on other things that maybe I haven't been focusing on as much. Like I said, this is 100% my choice. There's no bad blood. I just want to spend some time doing some other things that I haven't been doing as much 
um, since I've been doing not only this show, but my other show, my favorite podcast. Um, and that's kind of the big announcement. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening to the show. Uh, mm-hmm. I really do enjoy doing this show, and it was a tough decision to make. It's something I've been thinking about basically ever since like, I got fully vaxxed, and I knew that I was going to come back to L.A. at a certain point once, you know, we're still in a pandemic, so I don't want to say once the pandemic was over, but basically during the pre, like, vaxxed, vaxxed days moving forward, it's been something I've been thinking about ever since. Um, when we have a clearer idea of when my last show is going to be, we will let you know. We just know it's going to be sometime early on in 2022. Um, We're going to be kind of doing a Noah's farewell tour sort of thing. We're going to try to be bringing on guests a little bit more frequently uh, just to sort of have them on for one last time as I'm on the show. Um, And that's kind of it. I really, like I said, there's, you know, this is 100% my decision. I do enjoy doing this show. You're going to have shows with the two of us up through the beginning of 2022. So when I told Mason yeah. that I wanted to not do the show anymore, it wasn't like I was cutting him off, just cutting him dry. I want to end this thing out with a bang. So Yeah, uh, we are at episode 88 now, and our plan is to go through episode 100, and then... Uh, at least. At least, yeah. That's kind of the goalpost right now, which we are going to hit, I'm sure. Um, and then after that, it will just kind of be a little feel things out, uh, including what I'm going to do once, once this guy leaves. I have not come to a decision on my side yet what I want to do uh, with the show, um, but I'm going to wait until uh, that will, again, become a little more uh, apparent later. Again, just want to reiterate what Noah said. He had told me about his plans to – he had told me about this uh, a couple weeks ago, like you said, so this is not new to me, and I've been – uh, keeping it secret. I think only one other person knows that the, or uh, one other guest knows about this at this point. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it makes sense. Uh, this does take up a lot of time on the, not just listening to the albums, watching movies, doing the research, um, getting the notes together, uh, just on my side also, um, editing the whole thing, making it sound good. Um, Again, I I am not saying one way or the other that the show, as far as my uh, work that I put into it, is going to end. Maybe it will continue in some fashion. I've not landed on that just yet. And uh, despite what Noah says, uh, he's trying to be very polite about this. Um, I do actually have a live weapon pointed at him that I'm controlling on a remote control on my iPhone. Um, to get him to leave the sh- I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, there's no bad blood. Or <laughs> I don't know. Anything. I don't know. What, I don't know what the fuck that was. <laughs> so scared when you said that. I was like, "What the fuck is he doing here?" Yeah, uh, there's a fucking no, there's... weapon pointed at me through Zoom. Yeah, it's gonna shoot yeah. the screen. Yeah. Uh, there's no bad blood. There's no. Uh, uh, if we were in the same city, maybe that would be a different story. Maybe we would have beat our asses to death by now. <laughs> We'd go Aaron Burr, sir, on each other's asses. Absolutely. 20 Uh, paces to the west, 20 paces to the east, fire your weapon. But yeah, we are 2,000 miles apart. But we are. Yeah, so it's not a a personal thing. Don't don't worry about that. None of us are going. uh, It's just uh, podcasts take time, uh, and there is, um, you know, sometimes, and I will say this, sometimes things 
end. <laughs> it's the natural order of things. Absolutely. Everything has to end at some point. And I am a little, I, when Noah told me, I was a little heartbroken and somewhat surprised um, that it was ending so soon, I'll say, or so uh, at the, at this particular point, right, when I personally felt like, you know, things were on a pretty good clip and things like that. But on some level, on some level, that just means that we can uh, go out on top and um, kind of leave on our and and have things change on our own terms, which is I uh, I like I appreciate and I think that it's um, kind of right for the spirit of the show here. But we are still committed to giving you a full episode each week. Bring on some old friends, some new friends, and the closer to the uh, the end date of this current iteration of the show, which is what we will call it now. Um, we'll let you know. We'll have something figured out. And then the future after that point, we'll see. So, and yeah, Mason, if you ever, <laughs> if you're ever, you know, whatever this show looks like, uh, post Noe, so to speak, uh, PN, the PN years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whatever it ends up looking like, if you're in a pinch, whatever. You can't pull a guest. Just ask me. I'll come back. I'll come back and I'll do All the right, show. You're, this is this you're is saying this me. on mic, so I'm going to leave this on just for so that whenever I am in a pinch, I can just be like, "Noe, Noe, knock, knock, knock. Hello, hello." Yeah, and then I'll fucking shoot you down and be like, "Bro, I'm so fucking busy. Do not ask me to not ask <laughs> yeah. me to come back on this shit. I'm done with this shit. No, but for real, you know. Obviously, I don't want to leave you high and dry." Uh, so if you do need someone to come back and fill that guest spot, uh, once I do leave, um, don't don't be afraid to ask. Uh, like I said, there's no this is nobody's decision but my own, and I'm really excited to continue doing the show for as much as for as much longer as we do end up doing the show, just the two of us, um, and maybe the future of the show post my return will look much different than it does now. Maybe it won't be a thing. Maybe it'll be basically the same damn format except a revolving door of guests and it'll look the exact, exact same way. No one knows except really f- for Mason, ultimately, at that point, and that is something that he gets to <laughs> decide uh, on his own schedule, on his own terms, whatever he really wants to do with it. So for at minimum, through the end of the year and through the very, you know, the first month or two of... Uh, definitely the first month, maybe creeping into February of 2022, you're going to get shows uh, just the yep. same way you had been. I would say expect more guests. Like I said, you know, expect work. You know, like I said, I'm trying to get some people on with, while I'm still here for sort of the, the farewell for the kiss me goodbye sort of episode, so to speak. And mm-hmm. I think that'll be fun. Maybe Mason and I will do some solo eps here and there, but I wouldn't be surprised if actually if this maybe is one of our last Regular solo apps for a while, Mason. That actually yeah. could be true. Yeah, that's that could be true. And um, you know, uh, it's again, it's it's sad for me that I will that there's yeah. a time coming up soon that I will not be seeing and talking with my buddy Noe in the Zoom window every week uh, and doing this show. But I am excited for um, you know whatever comes next here and for us to go out on a bang. Um, I feel like I've said my piece with that. 
Is there anything else you want to say uh, on your side before we get into what the the folks have uh, tuned in here for? I just want to reiterate just the idea that you got shows coming down the pike that are basically the same as you've been used to. We're just probably going to be having more guests. So if for some reason it's in your mind that this is the last episode of It's on the List, do not fear. We will be having episodes through the end of this year and the very beginning of 2022. And I'm excited to do these episodes, genuinely. Especially, I think we got some... I will say we've got two very good things to talk about today. That's that's what I will. I'm just going right. to wager that right up front. We've got two Hell very yeah. good things Hell to talk yeah. about. Two very different things, but uh, we're doing these shows still. So we're doing the farting you, still. We're still doing farting. Believe it or not, for two years we've been doing a continuous fart for two mm-hmm. years, a little more, and don't expect the fart to stop just now. We've got some more gas left in the tank to get out our ass. That's what I'll say. Yeah. So uh, I'm really excited to do these, you know, the home stretch here with Mason. Yeah. Uh, and I want to thank everyone who's listened, either whether you've been listening for two years or you've been listening, you know, less than that. Or if you're a new listener, this is your very first episode. <laughs> <laughs> if this for some reason is your very first episode. Welcome. And thank you for listening. Yeah. Absolutely. Because it does mean the world to me uh, that people actually do listen to this show. And to me. Yes, and to me as well. Um, don't. But that's all fart I wanted to me say. Now I'm having such a good time. I'm doing farting. <laughs> don't fart <laughs> me now. <laughs> don't shart me now. Because <laughs> I'm don't doing shart farting. My drawers. <laughs> it's, I think it should be don't shart me now because I'm doing farting. There you go. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I like <laughs> okay. That. Let's spend the rest of the episode figuring that out piece by piece. Fuck the two things that we're Let's talking about Let's wipe the table. Let's wipe slate clean. Fuck whatever right. we were going to talk about. Let's just do some farting here. Uh, just kidding. We have a Mason Pick album. We have oh. a Noah Pick movie. Uh, Chef. We're, do What's you want to do the album first? Do we want to do yeah, the Yeah, I think we should do the album first. Yeah, Mason, okay. what are we talking about today, you bitch ass? Today, we are talking uh, about an album from 2021 that is this year, the year of recording, the year of our Satan, he he he, 2021. Uh, it is a softer focus by uh, experimental uh, sort of uh, artist, uh, Claire Rousset, came out in April of this year. Let's get some snaps in the chat here. Noah, had this what? artist or album been on your radar at all? Until I said last week, I want to talk about this one. No, <laughs> no. Uh, this is this is this is someone that uh, even maybe Noah of maybe even Noah of a year ago probably would just have not accepted at all. I think that this like album I would have is, brought this album or this artist onto the show, and you would have been like, no. <laughs> I think I would have something been, else. I think I would have been not happy about it. I think I would have listened to it and been like, this is so fucking stupid. I'm, ah. I'm not going <laughs> to fucking listen to this shit. And I would have listened to it anyway and given it a bad score. But uh, literally, I think this is the, like, I have never heard this album. I've never heard of this person before. Mason said he was going to bring us onto the show. However, <clears throat> I think this is the perfect album to bring on after the album that we listened to last week. Truly. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think this is, this is a great transition uh, out of what we listened to last week. And obviously I was 
basically did a complete 180 on Dan Deacon, uh, if you listen to last week's episode. If you haven't, great episode, great Mondo ep with Rocky Parito. Shout out to the goat himself, Rocky Parito. Uh, shout out to Little Bird, the Little Bird goat himself. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's I'm not want I don't want to I don't want to jump the gun on this I don't wanna put the cart before the horse don't want to put the cart before the stupid horse so to speak Mason what's your history with this damn album how did it come into your life why'd you bring it on the show so this was early April uh, when this album came out and I was uh, at my work from home job at that time it was uh, roughly the early Vax era so I was sitting around very impatiently waiting to get my shots baby all I needed was some shots in the arm and then I got them uh, and I was listening to just scrolling through Bandcamp and on Bandcamp you can set up um, to get like recommendations for different genres. So I have like, I don't know, alternate alt rock, indie rock, experimental ambient, things like that. And one day I open up that damn app and there is this album cover, um, the album cover for this album, uh, a softer focus and this title discreet hyphen the marketplace, I believe was the uh, recommended track. And I put it yes. on. Yes. And I, uh, put it on. And it's just from the first couple of seconds of that song, I was like, one, I need to buy this whole album. And two, I need to listen to everything else that this artist has ever made. And Claire Rousset, to her credit, makes it very easy for you because I went to buy this album on Bandcamp and I could either put down, I think, like seven or ten bucks or whatever to get the whole the the album itself or. She has a subscribe option where for $5 a month, you have access to everything she's ever made and oh. will ever make, basically. So I'm like, fuck it. Why not just throw some change her way um, every month and like help her support her making these just like kind of beautiful sounds? And, you know, so I listened to this album at that point. And it's and it's kind of been a a checkpoint album for me throughout the year. Like, and it just it's one of my favorite things to put on, like uh, on like first thing in the morning or like on the weekends or just when I'm like walking around or just to like go onto her artist page on Bandcamp and kind of scroll through and find um, just other um, uh, some more of her her work. Um, I don't want to get too uh, deep into her. I have seen her live. She came through town, Chicago here. Oh, um, shit. yeah, there was a, an event at the, um, at the Garfield park conservatory. That was like a tribute to Mort Garson's Plantasia where they oh, just yeah. hired a bunch of artists to, yeah, to come and perform for the plants. And she was, um, on that bill. It was a very expensive ticket and it sold out very quickly. But she was, um, she uh, also came to perform the night before at the Empty Bottle. Much more reasonable ticket. I think she was the last of a three-act bell. Um, I had been working on set that day. I was very nervous that I was not going to make this show, but I got there just in time. Uh, and I saw her perform live. And I picked up three cassettes of her <laughs> music. That's so um, So, all to say, I, I really... Um, admire this album. It's one of my favorite albums of the year. It's kind of going neck and neck with, uh, due North as my favorite album of the year so far. And will likely, um, those are like the kind of big two for music for me in 2021, at least. Um, and because I brought on due North and I liked it so much, uh, and loved it. And it really resonated with Noah. 
Uh, I wanted to see what he thought about this album in particular um, right here. So like I said, you know, this has been a very important album for me. It's really helped me to like kind of recenter in moments where I needed it. Just like kind of helped me to um, get through my year for the most part. But Noah, what was your experience like hearing this, hearing this album here? Uh, Well, before I even talk about, this album in particular, I actually did briefly because, I, like I said, I don't have a history with Claire Rousset or a softer focus or really. I guess I really don't have a huge history with. Are we calling this ambient? Is that what we're going to call this? Yeah, music? ambient. Yeah, ambient experimental electronic, I think. Um, you know, it's 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 really an album for like your Brian Eno heads, you know, kind sure. of, you know, uh, the kind of your Brian Eno head sort of that sort of sphere if you want well so that's i was gonna say kind of i guess my first i guess you could call it a foray or my first exposure to this kind of music on like a serious level was have you ever seen the movie for all mankind the space documentary uh i have not actually but i think i've heard that soundtrack so that soundtrack is done by brian eno it's from the apollo album which is one of his most well-known works, and they just used basically his entire soundtrack, or that entire album, like, throughout the course of this film. The film is cool. It would be very cool to see in theaters, but I don't think it's as impressive now because we have so much access to footage from space, just even on fucking YouTube, you know? Right. But when this movie comes out in 1989, you probably don't have any access to that kind of shit. You know what I mean? Like that is probably so novel and so special to see that it just feels so breathtaking. Whereas now it's like, you can look, you can can look up Carl Sagan's the pale blue dot and like feel just the most amount of feelings you ever want to feel in your whole life. Anytime you want, you know? Uh, But Brian, Eno's soundtrack is in for all mankind and it kind of makes the movie, I think. And that was sort of my first exposure to ambient electronic. We'll, we'll call it that. That specific kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. But last week when we talked about Dan Deacon, <laughs> we talked about Dan Deacon. That old, that old chestnut. That old that guy. old fucking fuck. <laughs> that old fucking fuck. Uh, one of you, either Rocky or you, Mason, had mentioned the name Steve Reich, and that uh, Rocky did. That was not a familiar name to me. I had no idea who you guys were talking about, but it stuck mm-hmm. out to me. What, it was Steve Reich, and there was one other person. We were uh, saying it was a cross oh, between Steve Reich and was, someone else. Oh my god! It was it was, and it made so much sense when you said it, but I forgot. It was Steve Reich, and um, I don't think it wasn't. It wouldn't have been Brian. You know, uh, I, I can't quite remember. But it yeah, was I don't remember the either. Steve, the Steve Reich, the Steve Reich, in part, the Steve Reich comparison in particular. Like, oh shit, that is exactly who. This this reminds that Dan Deacon reminds me of, and I had never heard that name before. That was like a brand new name to me, and I was like, "Oh, clearly Rocky and Mason like know who this guy is," and I just like didn't know who the fuck that guy was at all. So I'm standing in line at the Los Feliz Three to go see dick Lost out. Highway, uh, in theater. Wait, what did you what did you say with my dick out? Is that what you said? yeah with your dick out? Yeah, <laughs> yeah with my dick out, my fucking cock. Everyone's like, I don't I don't want to sit next to that Everyone's- guy. Everyone's complimenting you on your cock, and you're just so sick of it. You're just like, I'm, I wish that they would stop complimenting me on my damn cock today. 
It's kind of like when you like live somewhere and you get to see like a certain kind of tree every day, and then when someone from out of town <laughs> comes by and is like, "Oh, what a beautiful tree!" and it's like, "I fucking know, I get to see it every day." That's how I feel about exactly, my exactly. Dad. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. I get to look at my beautiful cock every day. I get to touch that shit every day. I get to nut every single day of my life. It's fucking awesome. So it anyway, I'm, j- I'm jacking off in the line for Lost Highway, <laughs> and I'm eating it. It's going onto the ground. It's like squirting out like mayonnaise at like a Costco hot dog or food court or something. <laughs> and I'm picking it up with my hand and offering it to the people around me. And I'm like, do you want a little taste of my nut? And they go, yeah, yeah sure, why not? You know, hey, yeah. I'm vaccinated. Hey, I'm vaccinated, right? <laughs> you know, hey, yeah. hey, I'll fucking try yeah. anything, you know, once these L.A. fucking freaks fucking hipster ass freaks trying my nut and I'm eating my nut and I'm like fuck (laughs) (laughs) I'm eating semen (laughs) and and I'm like yeah I should listen to Steve Reich right now (laughs) is what I thought (laughs) while I'm waiting in line to go into the theater to see Lost Highway which I did not like I think that that's my least favorite Lynch I've seen I've seen all of his movies at this point because I uh pop my dune cherry before i'd seen the new dune um and his david lynch's dune i actually like quite a bit i lost highway is the only one that i watched and thought that's kind of the one where i like can most meet his like the the most ardent criticisms of his work you know like i think you said in your letterbox review that it's the one that has like his um, it's everything that i don't like about david lynch in one yeah Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I did not like, I was literally, I was, it was one of, you know, we've all had that experience of you're sitting and watching something, whether you're in a theater or whether you're at home or whatever, and it's the not a good moment when you, when you have the thought, I just want this to end so I can go home. Yeah. 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 And it was 10 o'clock at night. Have we talked about that? I have walked out, I've walked out of uh, two movies that I can think of for two different reasons. Okay. I walked out of the Lego movie sequel, <laughs> but just because I was like, I kind of just want to do something else. Like I had bought a ticket and I was just sitting in the sure. theater and I was like, I kind of just don't want to be here right now. I kind of just want to like not be in a theater. So I left Yeah. and I walked out of Deadpool because that movie is fucking mm. garbage. Um, oh, I thought you said it was so good that you like you. It was making you so like super jealous <laughs> that you'd never make anything that good in your I life. And you just had to get out of there. Well, I walked out because it was so good that I because I had a nut in my hand and then eat it and asked the <laughs> the denizens of Orange County who yeah. are also in Deadpool. I walked in front of the screen and said, "Can I have everybody's attention, please, for just yeah. one second? Does anyone want to try my nut?" And like five people walked up and they're like, "I would like to sample your nut, sir." So similar conditions to when you were here listening to Steve Reich for the first time. Yeah, so I was listening to Steve Reich for the first time. I listened to Different Trains, uh, Electric, Counterpoint, which is the name of an Mm. album they did from 1990, and I fucking loved it. It was fucking awesome. I was Mm. just like, oh, this, I think I like music. (laughs) I think I, I think I love music. You know, it was one of those moments where it was like, because I'll be honest, there's a lot of extenuating circumstances around it, but like the last like two months, especially, and then also when I was on my trip, you know, I was Mm -hmm. much more into music than I was movies. I was much more having emotional responses to music than I was movies, and I think the same has honestly been true these last two months as well, basically me being back in L.A., not really feeling comfortable in the space that I was living before living here, not really feeling like I could get 
comfortable and cozy and relaxed enough to actually sit down and commit to something for two hours, whereas an album, you can do it while you're working out, you can do it while you're running errands, you can do it while you're doing chores around the house, whatever. You can Mm -hmm. do it a little more passively, and it can still have some of that same impact. Whereas a movie, it's like, put your fucking phone away, you just got to dedicate that time and you got to be real invested. And yes. in the past, that was a lot, that's been a lot easier for me than it has these last two months, and especially when I was on the road. So I've been a little bit more emotionally invested in music than I have movies and TV these last couple months. But, Mason, I'm getting all my furniture delivered tomorrow as of when we're hey. recording this. And hey. I got some comfy ass fucking furniture coming, my man. So it is all about right. to be fucking cozy season in this new apartment. Yo. It is about to be comfy. We are entering the fucking comfy zone. Rod Serling oh. walking out of my fucking hallway closet going, You are entering another dimension. I'm not a dimension, <laughs> not a dimension of sight, like like but of blankets a, and pillows. <laughs> you are entering the a wool zone. cap on at all times, just like a perfectly tied scarf around your neck. You're looking like the damn polo bear, man. That is how comfy <laughs> I'm picturing you right now. Dude, I'm trying to be, I'm literally 2022, it's all about being comfy, bro. That's what it is. The rest of this I, year and 2022, we're going comfy mode. I am, I agree with you, man. I, so it's been super um, kind of rainy and miserable, like recently in Chicago, which is like, it was like kind of 80 degrees in October, which is so inappropriate Damn. to me, but I have been on like my long sleeves and hoodie uh, and jean jacket shit recently. And I'm like, this feels like fall. I am ready for it. Um, I can't wait for comfy Noah 2022 Q4 2021 and Q1 2022. That's right, baby. We're doing comfy. No- we're doing comfy mode. It has been Unfortunately, too long of Noah feeling comfy. In my bed, I'm comfy. Let's be honest with you. In that fucking bed. Yeah. My man yeah. with those four pillows I got and my fucking Ooh. blanket. I'm mm. drifting off to fucking dream. Mm. What is it about them? You got a you got a weighted blanket on there, my guy? You got a weighted it blanket? It feels like too. a damn weighted blanket. It's not, though. And that's the best You're, part. Is those are I, just your damn nuts? <laughs> <laughs> those, are just, those, are just my, those are just my damn nuts keeping my damn legs cold. <laughs> legs warm at night, baby. Drape left my drape love and hate over my two, <laughs> over my two <laughs> fucking legs when I'm sleeping, baby. No shirt on. We got the athletic shorts. I'm creaming I'm my jeans. I'm imagining you getting love and hate tattooed on your nuts. And that, that <laughs> Just hanging up on like a wall of fame at a tattoo artist place. <laughs> and when I go, when I go to like, I'm walking around all day without my fucking nuts. And then at night I put my nuts on <laughs> so that I can keep my damn legs warm. It's my version of a leg warmer. All to say uh, Steve Reich is a pretty amazing artist. And I think I really uh, like him now. We, yeah, we've, we went on a, a couple very long tangents here. Uh, but so you, Steve Reich's good. Tell me about Claire Rousset though. Tell me about this album. I, I, Ooh. I so at the end so peek behind the production iron uh uh curtain uh big refrigerator slam door slam uh burr 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 it's cold back here um burr. I uh I had said I had lightly suggested that you put your headphones on and just set aside 35 to 40 minutes or whatever for this album rather than putting it on while you're running around or doing whatever did you do that or did you just find time in your commute to put this on? I think that this, what I like about this album is it kind um, there are those albums where you just like put your headphones on and sit in a comfy chair and just sort of relax and vibe. And this, you, you can do that for this album, just like kind of have like sort of a 40 minute meditative period thing. But what I like about Claire Rousset and this album in particular and her music is if you put it on, like, just throughout the rest of your day, it kind of just enhances the 
everydayness of what you're doing yeah, to some 100%. degree. Um, but what was what did so? What was your experience? Did I like heed your this? warning? Did I heed? Did you Mason's heed my quest? warning? Yes, yes. Did you? <laughs> did you? Uh, it's dangerous to go alone. Here, take this, and it's Here, a, a softer take your, focus. Take a softer focus and a good pair of headphones, and your damn nuts. Your love and hate yeah. nuts, and get yeah. comfy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, here's what I'll say, Mason. I listen to this album three times, and I don't normally Yo. do that. Hell I don't yeah. normally do that for the show. I Let's usually I always listen to the. Obviously, you have to listen to it once to actually have an opinion on it. And if yeah. I know I don't like it, that's it. I'm not listening to right. it again. If I'm trying to decide how I want to talk about it on the show, or if I genuinely like it and just want to listen to it again so that I'm, like, fresh with it, you know? If I want to be fucking fresh with it for the damn yeah. show, if I want to yeah. bring my nuts out during recording and be fresh with it, I'll listen to it a second time. And that happens every so often. I would say more often than not, actually. But normally I don't listen to it any more than that. Because you got other shit going on in your week. Yeah. But I listened to this damn album three times. And the first time mm-hmm. I listened to this album... I was playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater <laughs> 1 and Let's 2 go. Remaster. Very cool. Okay. I like that. And I was playing, and I was like, oh, shit, I need to listen to Claire Rousset for the show. And I put on, is it Preston Avenue? Is that the name of the first Preston, yeah, Preston Ave. Ave. Is the first track. Mm-hmm. Put on Preston Ave, and I'm very jarred. I'm like, whoa, this is not what I expected. It's basically like field recording source noise, like yeah. kind of shit, for the, first, for the first track, and it's like 90 seconds long or whatever. And then when discrete parentheses, the market kicks in, it literally had such an effect on me that I just had to pause Tony Hawk. And I just sat there and listened to it because I'm like, it is yeah. not fair to Claire Rousset or Tony Hawk for me to do both right. of these at the same time. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so I just had to listen to the album all the way through. Just like sitting in, I don't have the chair. Actually, can you see that chair right there? Mason, do you see that chair Noah, right there? Stop tubing me. <laughs> no. No. Do you see that chair? Shut up. Get Fuck your off. big you... nuts off the zoom screen. I see that chair there. I see Get love like and a hate. comfy chair though, dude. No, that chair sucks. I fucking hate oh, that. Oh, that's chair. too bad. That's yeah, too bad. I, that chair I bought when I was living in the other hold on. Fuck. Hold on. I'm getting fucked up here. Hold on. I have to put down <laughs> the show, by the way. <laughs> I had to fucking not to put my beautiful, lovely apartment manager on blast, but uh, <laughs> this new place that I'm in, he made me sign something that said you will put down carpet or a rug in 75% of the major walkways. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. So I just have four strips of carpet cut from Home Depot that in total probably cost me just under 100 bucks because I'm like, fuck you, I'm not doing this in like a good way. I'm doing this in the cheapest way possible because that's insane, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I'm furniture doesn't come tomorrow, so nothing's like, except for my desk, is like stayed, like it's not stuck on the ground. So my chair just got fucking caught in carpet. That is so stupid. We live in such a yeah. stupid world for that to happen. Anyway, it doesn't fucking matter. This place is great, except for that. Um, so then the second time I listened to it, I was just sort of running around doing things. But it had the same effect on me. Like, I was so entranced by these sounds and these tones that it just enhanced everything I was doing. What did I write down specifically? I wrote down, these are the tones of life and love. That is what I wrote down. These are the material world trying to merge with the spiritual world. It's 
so distant, but yet so familiar and so grounded, but takes you so ethereal. Like, there's so many opposites at play, I feel like, in this. Like, it just makes yeah. me think about just, like, being light, but also being very grounded. Like, it, 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 by, the, by grounding you, it makes you feel like you're floating, almost. Like, yeah. these tones yeah. are so beautiful. It's, it's, it's really hard... It's hard. To, I think this is a hard album to talk about in this in the music sense because it is so experiential and so abstract that mm-hmm. like this is just one of the classic. Excuse me. This is a classic example of just you just have to hear it to understand it. You know, it's I don't. I feel like yeah. we could talk about this album for another forty five minutes. We shouldn't and we won't, but we could right. and we wouldn't do it justice. Do you agree? No, I, I agree. I, I think that this the, it is. Um, I'm glad that you pointed out the sort of, um, I guess, contradictions at work here, but it's what I like about it. And what I wrote in my notes on, on this listen is that it's able to blend and kind of harmonize the, you know, the sort of what traditionally what we think of as instruments. So like uh, string instruments here, violin, cello, bass, um, and these tones with these like field recordings and just this, um, uh, just this other sort of like material from, the uh, uh, I, for lack of a better term, like the material world that yeah. Claire Rousset can get, uh, it takes just from I was, I you know, because uh, this album just had such an effect on me, kind of similar to you, where like I, I hear those tones starting from, um, like it's the beginning of Discreet the Market is like paper ripping or something like that, and then this this tone just comes in underneath it, and it does just kind of. It, it acts as just like kind of a reset button almost where like, you're just like, okay, just got to sit down and, and just like kind of let breathe. And just like, it just makes me feel okay, I guess is, sure. is the best way I could think of to put it. Um, but there is like, it, it's difficult to talk about because of like that. It, it's experiential, like you said, and there's a sort of like, it's ethereal, but it's not very light. Like it, it makes me, it, more often than not on this album, I was just writing down like colors that it was bringing into my mind. Yeah, like, I think it makes difference... me think of the uh, the tones in Punch Drunk Love. Like these would go yes. great over those colored tones. I, I would. She her um, star has been rising a little bit. I think she just she just opened for Cassandra Jenkins in um, New York, who is a uh, uh, similar vein to Claire Rousset, but has uh, one song this year that's a little more like kind of rock driven. Um, but she, I think Claire Rousset is going to play South by Southwest in 2022, actually. Let's go, um, baby. Like an adult swim. Yeah, and I am really excited. Um, I, I want her more than anything to score a movie. You know, I would see Absolutely. whatever, you know, I would buy a ticket to whatever movie that was just to hear her score go along to it. If, even if it was uh, uh, Hobbs and Five Shaw Nights 2. at Freddy, Hobbs and Shaw 2, Five Nights at Freddy's 3. Um, the Eternals, uh, King Goes Back, uh, whatever it is. Why are you, you're so, people are so obsessed with the Eternals in a way that feels extremely unhealthy on both sides to me. Yeah. If they love it or if they hate it, it's like, shut the fuck up. What is so important in your life that that is like that? What you need something else. You freak. Yeah. People are getting really obsessed with it. I like to, I like to riff on it online. Uh, I did log off of Twitter today just for Monday, just for Monday, the day that we're recording because I needed a a little break. Um, yeah, but it's just like. The thing with the Eternals is it's just going to come out and be like kind probably at best just an okay movie. You know, yes. like 
Absolutely. They're all either just okay or dog shit. Like, they're all in that general yeah. realm, I think. I mean, yeah. Iron Man is a g- really good movie. And that was yeah. like 13 years ago or whatever. And again, I've not seen Thor Ragnarok, but everyone I think on this show knows where I stand on this on this shit. And they're just all okay at the end of the day. Yeah. That's what they are. Yeah. That's what just that's just their whole thing. It's fine. They're okay, and some are some are more better okay than others are. I like Guardians of the Galaxy a lot. I actually like that movie quite a bit. Um, but it's yeah. it, it, the but to get back to Claire Rousse, um <laughs> So if she scores Guardians a, three, you'll go see that in theaters. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if um, yeah. I, I think that this this is an, a, a tremendous album about like, um, uh, just sort of like transition and change almost. You know, um, and um, the kind of how the ethereal and the material um can either harmonize or exist you know separately i think the the one where i feel and i think that's maybe by design that diluted dreams um is the one that i think that's the one that opens with kids laughing right yeah the kids playing outside um i wrote in my notes this one sounds kind of blue like kind of underwater that's one where i feel and i like i i like it for this reason that it feels like um, the kind of music and the tones of it are a little separate and above the kind of um, uh, 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 the more material kind of field recording sounds. Um, and you're f- sort of observing both as separate entities and rather than one mixed thing. But like I was saying, like I, I think with this album, after listening to this album for the show, I um, was just like kind of noodling around and I was like, okay, like glad I got a chance to listen to this album yet again. This is one of my favorite albums from this year. But what I put on right after, my brain was like, okay, now what you want to listen to is Van Morrison's Astral Weeks. <laughs> Dude, I was listening to that this week, too. That's fucking yeah, crazy. It's a great album. Um, And if I can just, like, draw a comparison between those two, it's like, A Softer Focus is kind of like, it, it delivers you to a time and a place the same way that I think Van Morrison's Astral, Astral Weeks does. Um, and it's sort of about this sort of like, um, uh, uh, and I like that a softer focus, um, a kind of promise, uh, kind of, um, it's the most like, uh, I wrote my notes here. This is the most conventional song on the record, quote unquote, a slow piano melody strings, but there's traffic sounds underneath. Uh, it's a mix kind of cinematic almost. And if it's, it's the resolution, but there's not like a, um, an easy resolution to it. Like it's, there's like those kind of distorted sounds that come in there a little totally. bit to kind of, you know, defy like just an easy ending to this thing. Um, but once it's over and I feel like it ends kind of abruptly again, something that I like about the album, something that I like about the song here, it just, it makes me want to just like restart it and listen to the totally. whole thing. It leaves you wanting again. more. And that's it like leaves, an awesome yeah. feeling. I think in art when you're like, when you get, when you're satisfied, but it leaves you wanting more, where you're like, ooh, like I could have watched like 10, 15, 20 more minutes of this, or I could have listened to this album for another 15, 20 minutes, but it's like, no, we're going to stop it right there very deliberately. You know, like there's a very deliberate choice to be like, that's all you get. It leaves a very specific impact of like, you feel, it's a, it is, it's it's an opposite, I think. It's a simultaneous like satisfaction and thirst for more. You know, yeah. it's it's that both, Agreed. and those are really hard to pull off. I feel like in art to have both, like, and just in general to have two opposite ideas exist at the same time. And I feel like this album is 
full of that in a very abstract, a very unconventional way. And not to, you know, put the cart before the stupid horse here again, but apparently this is like one of her more accessible albums (laughs) from what I can tell. And you actually, you've listened to more of her stuff outside of this, right? I have, yeah. I um, It is her most accessible album. I definitely think that this is where you start with her. But what I, uh, how prolific she is and how deep her back catalog goes, like she has, um, uh, it, it was probably May or maybe June, I was going for a walk and I put on, um, it was I think a moment in St. Louis. And that was just, um, it's not harsh in sort of like a, a aggressive sense, but it's a little more, uh, it, to my memory, it's been a little bit since I listened to it. it. It has a different kind of like texture and character than anything on this album does. Um, but I think that she's an incredible musician and just the way that she uses the world around her and makes music and uses just 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 how she does what she does, I find just incredibly, incredibly um, inspiring. Um, and like I said, I have three tapes here. I still don't have a way to play these tapes. There's all albums I can listen to otherwise, but she came through town and I had to throw her some scratch and just support her in that, that old way. Um, but I, I, I adore this album so much and I, I, I adore her and I think that her star is just um, ascending and I, I can't wait to continue on with her wherever she's going next. But... That's all I got to say about that. Do you have anything else you want to say about that? Um, I think you wrapped it up nicely. The only other thing I wanted to point out that we didn't even touch on yet is the, at the very end of, fuck, what album, what song is it? At the very end of uh, Peak Chroma, there is a conversation in regards to social media. Yeah. That is very interesting, and I can't recall the details of it, but basically from what I remember, the gist of the conversation is, and again, if, if Claire Rousset, if you ever come across this episode, I apologize for putting words in your mouth, but unfortunately that is my job on this show, uh, <laughs> is to not only put, word, it's put, put words in other people's mouths and put my foot in my own. So sorry about that, Claire Rousset. You're a wonderful uh, artist. But it feels like the social media is fake as shit conversation, just mm-hmm. intertwined in a very ethereal, centering, profound way yeah. that makes it feel different than yeah. another than that conversation. Because if you just see Gary V or whatever talking about that shit, then you're just like, skip, yeah. next, who cares? I, I've heard it all before. But it feels different in this context. Yeah, and I'm glad you pointed that out because P. Chroma is one of two songs on this album that have lyrics um, on the Bandcamp page, um, and they're very, uh, it's it's Pete Chroma and Stone Gesture, so it's not just, like, tones and, and field recordings, there are, and she does this a lot in her uh, music, um, her other project from this year, It Was Always Worth It, slash I Love You So Much, which is just um, two tracks, they're about 20 minutes each, um, but those also have some um, conversation, some sort of vocal um, uh, 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 aspect to them. Um, and I like how she mixes that in. So um, in in Pete Chroma, the part that goes, I'm trying not to miss you. I put on the newest Black Bear song. I try not to miss it. It's a question. And do they feel it inside a gaze? Um, I like how that um, the song stops to give her space to to say that. And then that conversation comes in um, towards the end. I think, did I write down? Uh, uh 
yeah, do not care about social media. And th- then how that, like, that kind of conversation overlaps and becomes sort of part of the, the texture and the tapestry of the song. It's, it's really quite unlike anything else that I've, I've heard of um, in my limited sort of experience with this. The And it's cool that here, Diluted but... Dreams is the next track, too, because it's like, yeah. do you not care about social media? And that conversation feels like it's a conversation that taps into your inner child because social media is not really a thing that kids have to contend with. But as you get older, you realize that it's just becoming an ever, an unfortunately ever present part of marketing and self image and all that different kind of shit. Right. So when you're younger and you don't have to worry about that kind of shit, I think it's a really cool transition ideologically to go from that conversation into diluted dreams, which takes you far back into the past. Uh, You get to be with these, with your younger self, ultimately, in that track. Whereas it, like, Pete Chroma, I feel like it, like, really points, really puts the magnifying glass over the anthill of, like, where am I at now? And then you get to go back to diluted dreams for, you know, almost nine minutes and be like, oh, yes, when I was a child, when I was at home, when I was doing all, you know, that kind of stuff. It's very very, um, jarring, but in a good way. It's very interesting. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. I thought it was cool, Claire Rousset. I thought you were very cool. <laughs> uh, my wife, I, I think it was very groovy, cool. baby. Thought it oh. was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I almost sent you and Thomas, and I can't remember what it was. Uh, fuck it. Never mind. It was something about Austin Powers, but it was, it was what if instead of saying, do I make you horny, baby? It was like, do I make you, <laughs> do I make you shitty, baby? Do, do I make you farty, <laughs> baby? <laughs> do I make you gassy, baby? Do I make you baby? gassy, baby? There we go. <laughs> <laughs> do I make you doing farting, baby? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's do some fucking, fucking stupid ass facts. Give me some of these. Give me the fast facts, Noe, and free my soul. I want to get lost in Austin Powers' droll British voice and drift away. Uh, There's not a ton of information about her online, so this all comes from Bandcamp and her website. Claire Mm. Rousset is based in San Antonio, Texas. You don't get a lot of people from San Antonio, I feel like, out in the the world doing art stuff. Kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, Her music zeroes in on personal emotions and the minutia of everyday life, voicemails, haptics, environmental recordings, stopwatches, whispers, and conversations exploding their significance. Rousset has presented music at Audiograph Festival, Casa del Lago, CDMX, Issue Project Room, Rewire Festival, and Salon de Normandie of Paris, among many others, held residencies at Rhizome DC and Elastic Arts Exposure Series, and performed with musicians such as Ken Vandermark, Ingebricht, Hawker, Flatten, I've just butchered that one to fucking death, excuse me, <laughs> Jacob Wick, and Theodore Kale Schaefer. Experimental musician Claire Rousset and visual artist Danny Torrell have been in each other's orbits since young adulthood in San Antonio, but it took a decade for them to find a softer focus. Before Rousset had put her compositional gray manner to task for the album Music, she knew she wanted to work with Torrell, being familiar with her work, uh, her past work centering on her Mexican heritage. Torrell's vibrant color palette and reinterpretations of comfort in oneself and the natural vegetative world connected easily with her explorations in communication and intimacy. Historically, Rousset primarily operated in a non-melodic experimental music zone, sculpting compositions from obsessive field recordings, inserting voice-to-text percussion, played via text message sounds, conversations in daily life. By contrast, the six-song collection and collaborative project, A Softer Focus, is lush and almost entirely melodic, even veering into pop at a couple points. 
Though Rousset created the album's recording, Toro created the artwork and visual narrative of the album. The reoccurring floral motifs and designs, the photography, the video work, and the ceramic whistles that accompany a special edition of the vinyl record. She also assisted in crafting the linguistic framework, assisting with song titles, and coming up with the name of the album itself, A Softer Focus, became a central album motif, alluding to the meditative and recollective dream state of creating. Danny Toro is a Mexican artist who works in large-scale painting, ceramics, and sculpture. She explores her memories through visual and sensory details pertaining to her upbringing as a white-looking Mexican woman. In May of 2018, she graduated from Maryland Institute College of Art as a painting major, and she was a finalist for the XL Catlin Art Prize in 2018 and was included in an exhibition traveling from San Francisco Art Institute to the, Mason, get ready, Linda Warren Projects in Chicago and the New York Academy of Art. Uh, There is a great interview done by baramhouse.com by Connor Dillman. I have two excerpts from that interview. Mason, I'm going to send you this link if you would please link it in the show description for people to read fully if they want. But here are just two short excerpts from an interview that Connor Dillman did for Baram House with both Danny Torrell and Claire Rousset. All right. Connor says, After living with this album over the past couple days, I felt the kind of looping nature to the whole world of it between what Danny worked on with the Pete Chroma video and what you worked on with the music, Claire. Have you guys felt any parts of your lives reflecting that cyclical feeling lately? Danny. Yeah, I mean, definitely the first thing that comes to mind is the pandemic. I haven't been in San Antonio for this long before, and when you're for and when you're here for this long, things can get repetitive. Having to stay put for a while in the same place is something I haven't done since I was in high school, so I'm definitely trying to find new ways to make things exciting. But even in the studio, things can become a little repetitive. I recently went to Pennsylvania, which was a nice break from San Antonio, but yeah, the entire year has been but yeah, the entire year has been here. Claire, have you had any particular attention to that feeling recently? Claire, yeah, I've kind of been having a similar experience to Danny. I was basically touring for like 10 years before this, and now everything is obviously really fucked up. Just feeling kind of stuck and having limited contact and interactions with people feels kind of cyclical. Danny, cyclical. Danny and I only have a couple people we see, so it's been really interesting to kind of interact with the same people over and over again, because generally that would be what friendship is. But in this specific situation, it's way more emotionally intensive because you're not conditioned to be out interacting with the people in person all the time and everyone you're interacting with which is only like two or three people are all going through the same shit too a little further down in the interview how do you guys feel about san antonio claire says i love san antonio so much it's my favorite place in the world just socially i like the way people interact here it's pretty relaxed and not professional which is good for people like me everything's just slower moving really inexpensive and people really value hanging out if i could tour and not actually play shows i would just do that the whole reason I want to do art or music or whatever for a living is so I can hang out with more people because people are ultimately what I'm interested in. I love the people here. I'm also not from here and had a really and really had to learn about San Antonio when I moved here because I'm from Canada and the culture is super different. Like I've never seen any part of Latino culture, but it's an amazing place. I love it so much. Connor then says, "Danny, what's San Antonio like for you?" Danny says, I've grown to love it. For so long, I rejected it because I never felt like I was from here since I moved from Mexico when I was 10 years old, and the Latino culture here is very different than Mexico. So I also had to learn about the people here. I still want to travel and do residencies and stuff, but I want to have a place to come back to, and San Antonio feels like that place for me because it's so relaxed, cheap, and it's where my family is. It's a great place to come back to and relax because there's really there really isn't much going on unless you look for it. Great interview. Just two excerpts that I really enjoyed from that interview when I read it last night. Mason, who, what, or which is your Mercedes Valuable Player, and do you recommend this fucking thing? Uh, full recommend. Um, very strong recommendation. If uh, I, 
if you haven't paused this podcast and put on this album already, I'd say do it now. Um, My Mercedes Valuable Player goes to the first three tracks. The Preston Ave, Discrete the Market, Peak Chroma, kind of little mini symphony there. Um, I think... I love every single track on this album. It passes. It's a shorter album, but it does pass the Maguire sniff test as far as I'm concerned. Um, but the way that it kind of, um, the way that those three tracks kind of elevate you um, and, um, and and kind of um, get you into into this sort of tender uh, and intimate world that Claire Rousset and Danny Toval have created here. Um, it's tremendous. It's, it's unlike, and it's a very specific feeling to this album that it gives me. And that is, uh, I, the thing that the, the specific feeling that this album gives me <laughs> is kind of why I wanted to bring it on the show and highlight it so much. It, it, it's, uh, unlike anything I've, I've really ever heard. And I hope people listen to it and enjoy it. Noah, who, what, which is your MVP? And do you recommend this, this little thing here that I brought? Full recommend. Very, <laughs> very, very good album. Very, very good album. I think it's tough because I agree that that first three track run is very stupendous, very spectacular. But of those first three, for me, the standout is Pete Chroma. I think it yeah. is the most unique track on the album and really gives you sort of the, in a succinct way, this is also how big my asshole is, Mason, just, just so you know right there. Oh, like I know, little, I know. Yeah. Yeah, because you've mm-hmm. um, tasted my nut in there. I put my nut in my ass. <laughs> well, they're, they're so big. <laughs> well, they have to be so big. Well, yeah, I'm talking about my semen. Um, I'm talking about oh, my okay. nuts, my, my juice. Um, <laughs> but uh, that track feels the most idiosyncratic and most, this is how I think Claire Rousset is to me. So mm-hmm. I would say if you're only going to listen to one track, which you can't, you have to listen to this whole thing to get yeah. the fucking point. Pete Chroma to me is where it's like, this is who she is. This is yeah. who this is who she is to me. This is where it all starts to mold together, I think. You get the big, biggest sense of who this person is as an artist. So that's my uh that's my little that's my little thing. That's my whole little thing. Woo-hoo. And now we have to talk about something very, <laughs> very, very And now different. for something completely different. Uh, a movie to talk about this week as well. A Noah pick. Noah, do you want to do the honors? Do you want to do the honors uh, here? I guess you could call this the honors. <laughs> I guess you could. I think it is. Like I said, I think we have two very good things to talk about this week at the very beginning of the show. The movie this week, little film that came out in the beginning of 2019, stars Matthew McConaughey mm-hmm. and Hathaway. Mm-hmm. Jason Clark, mm-hmm. a fish called Justice, a, a tuna boat called, called Serenity. Justice. Excuse me, a tuna called Justice, a boat called Serenity, on a little Jaiman place Hunsu. called Plymouth. Digimon Hunsu plays Duke, right? That's his name. I believe so. Yeah, takes place, of course, on Plymouth. Yeah, one of my favorite locales for a movie to take place on. We love Plymouth, don't we, folks? Well, Jeremy Strong. <laughs> Jeremy Strong. How can we forget Jeremy Strong? Jeremy Strong is the the bitch of the film, <laughs> just the absolute whipped bitch of of Serenity, which is not how we're used to seeing Jeremy. Anyway, we're watching Serenity. We're talking about Serenity from 2019. Let's get some snaps. Yeah. Um, Mason. Uh huh. What's your history with this bad boy? 
I remember seeing trailers for this movie in 2018 when I would, uh, during the movie pass days, I remember going, using movie pass and going to, you know, the, uh, the, the, uh, what was your main theater? Was it the sunset five? Uh, no, it was usually Pacific theaters at the, at the, um, uh, at the the fucking, at the Grove, at the Grove, at the Grove, Grove. yeah, the Pacific theaters at the Grove. Um, or the Vista, because I think MoviePass worked at the Vista sometimes. Yeah, because um, they aren't just a rep. They do the secret movie club stuff at the Vista, but the Vista is like actually does show first run stuff. So yeah, and when I was yeah, and when I was um, freelancing in LA, I would go to the Vista because they had those six dollar matinees, and so I would just go sure first movie in the in, in the afternoon to see to. In any case, I'm pretty so I would see trailers for this movie. You actually sure did see trailers for this? I did actually see trailers for this. I remember Damn. seeing trailers for, uh, and it looked pretty intense. It looked pretty sexy. It had Matthew McConaughey. It had Anne Hathaway. And I'm like, okay, like, this looks kind of interesting. And then I it disappeared for a little bit. Um, it uh, The history of it, it got pushed back from its initial um, release date of September 2018 to then October 2018, and then finally getting dropped off in January of 2019. And I remember seeing trailers for it, but it wasn't like something that I was like checking the the schedule every week to see it. Um, and 2019 comes around and I'm still working at the production company, but I am decided I've decided that what I can control is my reaction to movies that I see. So I will try to like movies if I go see them in the theater, give them a fair shake. And I hear this movie is out called Serenity and it is nutso butso so i and the only theater that's playing it uh that i could find was the arclight hollywood and so i put down 15 dollars on january 28th 2019 to see serenity because i hear that this movie is uh wet and wild (laughs) and oh brother This movie so was fucking fu- wild. It's so fucked up you saw this in theaters, Mason. That is so fucked up that that is the truth. Let me here, let me just read from my review of my initial review on January 20th, 2019. The fact remains, I spent $15 on a ticket knowing it was going to be patently ludicrous. And even then, it went to 11 in terms of batshit robot chicken M Night parody twists. So kudos to all involved. At the end of the day, you still got my money and exceeded my expectations more than I can say about most films. Interesting. <laughs> I don't know if I would say I don't know if I would stand by every sentence in that short review there, but the fact does remain they got my money. <laughs> At the end of the day, you cannot you cannot argue that you paid money to see that in theaters. At the end of the day, that has to be a that has to be a fact of the matter. And the thing was, I wasn't alone in that screaming either. There were other people there, maybe like four or five, uh, couldn't have been more than half a dozen that were just like kind of there to see what was going on. And the movie ends, and we all just looked at each other like we shared that together. <laughs> Did we just all have a collective hallucination? What the fuck is going on here? So. Um, yeah, that's 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 that that is that is the big history with it. And then it's kind of has co- come up, I believe, in conversations you and I have had or you, Rocky, and I have had about just because you. Well, what's your history with this movie? I want to know. So. I this this came out my last semester of college. Yes. And this I is in was, the PM days. 
the the Freemason days. <laughs> yes. The best time of my life right before I met you. Right before that bastard Carter Moon created just the worst monster, the worst two-headed monster of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, this came out my last semester of college. The reconnaissance had been a thing already. Mm-hmm. I was mainly focused on finishing my senior thesis and this internship that I had in Beverly Hills at a little place called Mosaic. It's a management company in Beverly Hills. And I wasn't really honestly paying a lot of attention to what was coming out at this time. And mm-hmm. as you and I both know, Mason, January... Not a, not a time a lot of people are going when, to the movies. When studios send their movies to January, <laughs> they're not sending their best. No, they're sending, they're sending everything they think they can make some money on. It's like, this yeah. movie still has the potential to make us possibly some money, but this movie might suck really bad. It is colloquially known as Dump Month, and even more colloquially known as Fuck You, It's January, if you are a red mm-hmm. letter media head. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't paying attention when this movie came out. I had only heard about this movie long after the fact, like mm-hmm. mid-2019 as it already had come out and on DVD. To say that it had a cult following maybe is a little bit like generous, possibly. Yeah, but yeah. I've been hearing about this, and it was like, this is one of the worst movies ever made, is what I was hearing. This is one right. of the worst movies of all time. And I was like, what? A movie with Matthew McConaughey now, Anne Hathaway, like, this doesn't seem like it would be so bad. Like, that was just, yeah. it was always just confounding to me, knowing basically nothing about the movie. How do people not like this? This seems like it would be just so forgettable at best, like at worst, you know? It would just be yeah. like a forgettable yeah. experience. And so <clears throat> I had just kept hearing about it, and I was listening, and I had kind of forgot about it at that point, and then the pandemic happens, and you know, nutting into my own hand and offering it to my family members because I can't offer it to the mm-hmm. people in line at the lowest yeah. three. Please, sir, can I have some more? Yada, yada. <laughs> Please, sir, may I have another? Haha, very funny. Um, I remember just thinking, like, why didn't I not hear about this movie, really? Like, when it was coming out. Like, why did this movie just slide so much under the radar? And then I was listening to an episode of this podcast that I sometimes listen to called Stacked which was started by some people that I know of, don't know them personally, but started by some people that I know of. Mm-hmm. And they had a guest on. And the, 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 it's actually, I think, a cool premise for a podcast. It is three hosts, and every week, they try and make what they call the perfect three film stack. They all bring three mm. movies to the table, and they pitch why that movie should be included in a stack, and it's usually like subgenres of movies. So it'll be like, horror comedies or 80s movies or, you know, like just like subgenres of movies, basically. Sure. And I'm like, that's a cool concept. So I listen to the show sometimes. And they had a guest on. Uh, I don't know this man personally, but we follow each other on Letterboxd. His name is Boss Baby Fan on Letterboxd. I believe his name is Wyatt in real life. And Wyatt is very funny. And I follow him on Letterboxd and he follows me back. And he was the guest on the show that week. And he was talking about this movie and with no irony at all, he was saying, this is one of my favorite movies. I think this movie is so awesome. I think this movie is absolutely fun and absolutely insane to watch. Like, fuck the, like, this movie is sucks so bad. Like, give this movie a chance. You will have an amazing time with this movie. Yeah. And I was like, okay. That's, like, the first, like, like 
darling thing I've heard about this movie ever, possibly, you know, knowing mm-hmm. full well that it was probably like in the realm of like so bad it's good, but I do want to talk about that phrase later because that's a very interesting phrase that gets thrown around. Uh, and then I had this guy named Oren Soffer, who I also follow on Letterboxd, who is a DEP, but also like a very frequent Letterboxd user, and I had heard the name before. And he likes this movie too. He was like, people don't appreciate what this movie actually is. People think that this movie is just straight up bad when I think it's like striking a very remarkable tone uh, even though not everything in this movie works, I have a blast watching this movie, is basically what he wrote. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I gotta fucking watch this movie. This movie's coming up, like, in my life. This is early 2021, by the way. And I'm like, I gotta fucking check this out. This, like, I'm so curious as to what this will be. And I'm going in expecting it to be, like, fun. But I could never have predicted how absolutely insane this fucking movie is. This thing... This is the, I think this might be the craziest movie I've ever seen in my life, ultimately, for a lot mm-hmm. of different reasons. Not for, like, the way that Come and See is a crazy movie, you know? Right. Crazy because of how way, fun it is. Yeah, because that movie's fun. <laughs> talk about, yeah. you know, talking about a movie that you go to and hang out with the fucking boys. Yeah. Uh, this movie is Serenity. It is so, again, it is a movie that is so hard to explain why it is fun to watch. But I am of the opinion that this movie is fun. This is a fun movie to watch. This is like, this is some confounding cinema shit. How did this happen? How did they pull this off? It's fun. I love it. Yeah. It's, I would agree that this is a confounding movie. That it kind of (laughs) um, rejects. You think that you have your hands around it, and then it goes, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, the, no, 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 no. What's the one thing you thought would never, ever, ever happen <laughs> in a movie ever? We're about to do that right now and ruin this movie way more than we ever could. Right, when you, th- okay, this, so this is just like some uh, old man in the sea kind of movie about a guy who's going after a fish. No, 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 no. Should no, we no, no, enter, here comes Anne Hathaway. Should we enter the spoiler zone? From hence this this point forward, um, I'm been debating about whether we go spoiler mode on this or not. Because I think it's better if if you've never seen it, not to have it spoiled for you. But it's also hard to talk about why it works so well. I think that this is a movie that deserves to be viewed by kind of anybody one time just to see. Don't read anything about it. Don't scrabble ahead or maybe you know do whatever you're gonna do with this episode i do think we have to get spoiler territory into this um and i would definitely say that like you are just just sit with the movie and let it and just 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 let it exist just let it exist it is what it is and you can't change it you can't change it as a viewer you can't change what this movie is and why Um, would you fucking want to is my question that's my big question ultimately yeah why would you want to change what this is so let's maybe we we this is the put the cart in front of the crazy the the stupid horse episode um personally i I wrestled with it but i'm gonna recommend this movie so if that my word means anything to you folks (laughs) put the money down on the rental you would be spending less money on a rental to see this movie than I did to see it in theaters. So I think it's definitely worth that. Um, but, or if you don't care about spoilers, give us, keep listening. That's all I, that's all I'm going to say right now. 
All right. Well, then, if we're putting the stupid horse before the cart or the cart before the stupid horse, however we want to say it, I'm also going to give this a recommend. Borderline a full recommend. Because this movie is so fucking fun to watch. It's ridiculous how crazy this is. And I forgot to pick a Mercedes Valuable Player, to be honest with you. To be like 100% honest with you, I just forgot to write one down. And I think <laughs> by the end of this conversation, I'll obviously have to pick one. But I think I'm yeah. going to find it by the end. I think I already we'll know find what it, it is. Yeah. But I, 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 again, I think oh, I, I know what mine is. is. I know what mine is. I think well, I also wait. know what yours is, to be honest I'll wait. with you. I'll wait. But if we're putting the stupid horse before the cart, I also recommend this movie. Go in as blind as you can. I think you will have a wonderful time. Watch it with your friends if possible. I think this is like... This is a great friend movie, yeah. It's just... It's perfect to me. (laughs) This this movie is perfect to me. So now we're entering the spoiler zone, Mason. You need to put on your your goulashes and your big hat. Yeah, I'll be... I'll be right back with my evil podcast hat, excuse me. Uh, Yeah. My closet here. Okay, I got the evil podcast hat. Okay. All right. We're t- we're going. All right. We are we are serenity mode right now, buddy. Do I have Can I go get my evil hat real quick too? Yeah, absolutely. Go All right, right one ahead. One sec. Let me go and you're going to like this hat a lot. Let me go get my evil hat real quick, but I'll be it's going to take me like a minute or two. Uh, well, folks, you are listening to It's on the list with Mason. You're talking to uh about the film Serenity right now. I'm going to drink some water. Um Here's what I'm going to say. Uh, I'm looking at a very messy desk right now. Uh, if you got a messy desk, that is cool by me. Why Why clean off your surfaces? Um, <laughs> there we go. Let's yes. go. Let's <laughs> go. All right. Let's getting. Well, hold on. Just need this little photo. There we go. Very apt hat for the discussion here. Um, yeah. As well. <laughs> It Born says, to fish, forced to um, help my son kill his abusive stepfather. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> Mason, what's the elevator pitch for Serenity? Like, you're in an elevator with someone. All right, I'm in the. Uh, we're, so, <laughs> here's, the, here's the elevator that you are in the. Here's the elevator that you're pitching Serenity in. Um, you're in the Towering Inferno, and the elevator <laughs> is stuck. Stuck, and you're like, the fire's encroaching, and you're like, I have to tell yeah. you about this movie called Serenity. So, uh, it's about a uh, a fisherman in this uh, tropical paradise. Uh, the fisherman's name is Baker Dell. Yes. Baker Dell. Stupid fucking name. name. Very Stupid important fucking that his name, name is Baker Dell. <laughs> and he bites his time by chartering boats. Um, by betting um, the beautiful uh, Diane Lane and by drinking a lot of rum. Uh, he seems to have a pretty normal existence. Seems to just kind of be in a, a routine here. And then all of a sudden, this sort of, mysterious... sort of like a sort of like a shadowy noir figure almost too. like, yeah. that's kind of how he's operating. He's like not doesn't there's not a lot of information known about him, like setting up. He's like this kind of mysterious guy. Yeah. And then. All of a sudden, his world is turned upside down. Is that fair to say? So, a uh, Anne Hathaway appears as a femme fatale and a truly ridiculous <laughs> character introduction. Where out of nowhere, the like visual language of the film just changes abruptly. There is this like 
um, cartoon like um, ding, like shiny ding on her wedding ring. And then there's like this whoosh kind of dolly pan around her. She's approaching and you're just like, what the fuck is going on? But she appears and she is Baker Dill's ex-wife. Baker Dill is actually a man by the name of John Mason. And he is hiding out on this island. We don't know from what or from whom. Um, but uh, 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 Anne Hathaway, I believe her name is Karen. Do I have that right? Let's find out. I can tell you right now. She's on the island. Um, and her uh, new husband, Frank, is going played by Jason Clark, is going to be showing up soon. And yep. she Karen Zeriakis. Karen Zeriakis. Uh, Frank Zeriakis played by Jason Clark. Jason Clark is showing up uh, and Karen wants to recruit Baker Dell to kill Frank Zeriakis. Um, to, because uh, he is an the, abusive stepfather. Because he's an abusive psychopath, son of a bitch. He inspects Karen for um, imperfections, for scratches on her body, and then adds more by beating her. He's not a very smart man. Uh, he's a very cruel man. Um, but Karen and Frank have a son, had a son together. Uh, and it is important to know that this son is obsessed with video games. Uh, just spends all of his time locked in his little video game world while, um, Frank, uh, you never see, um, Frank get physical with Karen. It's all kind of done by suggestion and off screen. Um, but he is a very abusive person that we hear and, um, the kid blocks out, Yes, and one of the best lines of the entire film is, if I didn't catch fish, I'd find a way to kill you, which is a yes. line that Frank Zariakis utters about the son. Yes. Not about the son, like the son has said that to him before. Yes. 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 Really just, just a crazy an awesome movie. thing to say. <laughs> just that, an awesome that, thing to if say. That, if that description of this movie made too much sense... You are. You have no idea what you're in for watching this. Thing. That's just the setup. That is. That's that like is where setup. we're at. And the first scene in this movie is Matthew McConaughey, Dejman Hunsu, and two guys out on a boat. And Matthew McConaughey literally pushes them off the chair to try and yeah. catch this fish, this tuna yeah. that he can't catch. And you later learn that the tuna's name, of course, is Justice. Tuna He's trying to catch a tuna named Justice on a boat named, you fucking guessed it, Mason. You nailed it. Serenity. Serenity. Yep. Mm-hmm. The boat is named Serenity, Mason. His name is Baker Dill. He lives on Plymouth. <laughs> His name is Baker Dill. <laughs> His name is Baker Dill. Stupid fucking name. Ridiculous name. And Mason, you think that Frank... Is, the whole question at first is, is Frank going to go through with this proposition that Anne Hathaway's character sets out? And that's where you think things are at. And the tone is very dark, but also like cartoonish at the same time. People are taking swings that are... It takes place Have to on register like a- at like 120 miles an hour, like off the bat. Like just such hard swings. The, they're taking some heavy swings here and let's let's lest we forget there's also this like skinny guy um jeremy strong plays this character reed, reed miller, miller i believe yeah reed miller and he is running around trying to get <laughs> in touch with matthew mcconaughey with baker dell but he is but he always, always misses him running late by about 20 seconds or something like that um there's a scene where we, you first meet reed miller he walks, he decides to walk through a bog. He just makes yeah. the decision that he's going to walk through water, even though he could just so easily go around. He's like, 
guess I got to walk through this water if I got to get there on time. And you just watch him <laughs> shittily walk through water. Yeah. It is so fucking awesome. It is so confounding. It is so insane to watch every character act the way they do in this movie. Because they're not making only- some wild decisions. And sometimes, to me, sometimes it honestly feels like almost every actor in this movie is in a different movie. <laughs> To some Every actor is in a different movie, and they. But it's all like, it's a different movie, but it's all the movie they think they're making, which is Serenity. Like to yeah. them, it's just the movie is slightly different for everybody else. I think Jeremy you know? Strong has the closest idea of what this movie is actually about. Like he, he's, uh, but but not to get too ahead of every anything there. So there's like this kind of moral question that um, Baker that Baker Dill goes through. They, he goes on the boat with Frank Zacharias, and uh, the opportunity Zariakis. to dump the Zariakis, I'm sorry, to, to dump him in the water comes, and he doesn't take it. Um, uh, why? I have no idea. It's Serenity. It doesn't um, matter. It actually, it actually it, doesn't fucking matter that he doesn't do it. That's kind of the beauty it doesn't of matter. Serenity. So th- <laughs> that movie happens, and then about halfway through the movie, Reed Miller catches up with with Baker Dill and he says you can see uh, Mc- my- by the way McConaughey's ass in this movie is so present and you see his you see his ass he's in McConaughey's in great shape uh great ass you see his little he dives into the water naked a couple if times if a man he's- had McConaughey's ass and my Johnson that's the perfect man right there that is a perfect yeah that is the ideal that is the ideal male <laughs> figure uh, sorry sorry man if you don't like what the ideal male figure is but it's Matthew McConaughey with my dick. That's what that's what the perfect male physique is. Uh, there's also a point where he's talking to Diane Lane in this movie, and he's like getting naked in front of her, and she's like, "Where are you going?" And he's like, "I'm going to take a shower." And the camera moves on like a swivel from his yeah. back to his side, then back to his back, and it's not explained yeah, it's why. It like is when so you're jarring. It's almost like when you're adjusting the camera uh, at, uh, on your video game character. It's sort of like it is sort of like when you're trying to get a better sense of the scenery in a video game. It's sort of like that, Mason. Yeah. It's sort of like when you're playing a video game and you're just trying to get a sense of where you are. <laughs> almost, you know. It's kind of like when you're playing a video game and there's like your main quest and your side quest, but you you uh, break your character off for and to sort of, um, I guess, replenish his HP or something like that. Yeah, yeah, or you um, use it for your own um, sort of uh, uh, goals. I guess you just explore a little bit, um, you know, and maybe your uh, the character that you create is in the um, visage of your father. <laughs> So then something really insane happens, Mason, in this movie that is quite possibly the best twist ever in a movie. Possibly. Reed Miller, the Jeremy Strong character, is confronting Matt Damon. Or Matt Damon. Matt Damon. He's confronting Matt Damon. I'm confronting Matt Damon. Classic bit from Classic bit from, classic Jimmy, bit from Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, yeah. He's confronting Matthew McConaughey. And he says that the rules have changed. The rules have changed. How have the rules changed? Why have the rules changed? We don't know. We don't know. It's not really... It doesn't matter. Nothing matters in Serenity except for the fact that the rules have changed. And that you're trying to catch a fish, a tuna named Justice on a boat named Serenity, and you have to kill Jason Clark. Yes. And Mason, do you know why the rules have changed all of a sudden, actually, like in the plot of this movie? Do you know maybe why... Do you have maybe an inkling about why the rules have changed? 
Why have these rules changed, Noah? Why have these <laughs> rules changed? Because Baker Dill is the main character in a video game that has been created by his son. He is living in the Truman Show in a video game. This is not a joke. This is actually what the plot of the movie is. Baker Dill is the main character of a video game created by his son to enact justice on the stepfather. Yes. That is real. That's the plot of this movie. And it changes tone so drastically when he finds out. It literally rocks McConaughey's world to the point where it's like a different guy. It is like a diff- it's like a completely different movie. It's like some philosophical quandary, like dream gazy shit going forward. He yeah. he busts a nut. He can't believe it. It he he basically realizes that he's Neo in the Matrix. Yes, totally. It becomes it becomes the Matrix in Plymouth, and it is so fucked up. Um, this is and- a perfect film, by the way. This is a perfect <laughs> film. There's no, there's nothing not perfect about this. Um, this is the most galaxy brain movie I've ever seen in my entire life. It's 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 this this movie is 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 something else. This movie is something else. I I it's it's um. I want to read an oral history of the making of this movie so much. <laughs> You know, because it yeah. fe- it feels like, I wonder if, like, when M- McConaughey and Hathaway were presented with the script, do you think that that twist was in there? <laughs> yeah, I 100% do. I 100% do? think that, okay. that twist is in there, yeah. I, okay. Um, there's, like... Do you? I, uh, you don't think it was in there? Well, I... I, the, the scenes with the kid just have such a different, um, they kind of feel like reshoots to me. I want, so the twist is maybe the same, but maybe they had to do some things, shoot some more footage to make it clear what was actually going on in this movie. Um, because it's pretty fucking nuts (laughs) and it's fun to watch. I don't know if it completely coheres altogether, but it's so like, Watching it the first time, I was like, what is going on? This is so strange. And then, it, like, the, the plot twist comes, and I'm like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen <laughs> in a theater. This is pretty nuts. Yep. This yep. is, I can't believe that this movie got $25 million, and these this caliber of star and talent. And the director was nominated for an Oscar, Mason. It's the same guy who made Locke. This is the director and writer of Locke, the forthcoming Spencer. This is Stephen Knight. Um, it's like Locke is such a good, compact movie. If you like hearing Tom Hardy saying concrete and driving around and having a... Uh, I really admire the movie Locke. Um, I think that is a difficult... That would be... That is a difficult sort of needle to thread how focused and tight that movie is and how just engrossing it is. I, it'd be easy to fuck that up. And this movie is so unlike that kind of in every other way that I'm just like, the puzzle of this movie is so interesting to me at the end of the day, because like I'm watching this movie and I don't know about you, but once, um, uh, the other thing that's crazy in this movie, um, Matthew McConaughey pushes 
pewter Jason Clark into the water and he like it's sucked away by the fish and the kid stabs real life Jason Clark yes. off screen. <laughs> yes. Yes. There is there is brutal murder. <laughs> There's real film. murder. A teenager commits a real murder in this fucking movie. And it is handled so poorly. It is handled so haphazardly and not well ex- it is not well executed but it is so funny to watch here's it is my question. so confounding here's what? my question is is matthew mcconaughey's ghost in the architecture of this game is that what we're meant to think is going on here like his real deal spirit is hanging out on the island of plymouth i don't fucking know i don't think it matters i think it's all you got to know is that we're in a fucking video game, bro. Grab your fucking controller because we're about to go and we're about to enter a fucking cheat code, bro. That's what we're about to do. It is the 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 you're not watching this movie for the you're watching this movie for the swings. But the secret of the movie is you're watching for how hard the swings are. You're watching yeah. this movie to clock the velocity at which these swings yeah. are happening because even even the like crazy of this plot twist which is probably the hardest swing of all time in a film just the way that the characters interact with each other is not right it's not okay yeah. on any yeah. molecular level there's all this talk of temptation and delivering us from evil it's like someone it's like an incel red old man in the sea and said i got it <laughs> <laughs> I got it, it, baby. Old Man in the Sea, or like Moby Dick. Um, there's a a Shakespeare quote in here with stuff that dreams yes, are made of. From the Tempest. Um, from the yes. Um, I also just kind of wonder if like Stephen Knight has like a young son that loves playing video games, and he's just thought to himself, "Damn, man, I I wh- what if what if my How kid like playing me son? as a video game? You know." <laughs> I want to ask you, Mason, this question. Uh. What do you think? Do you think that there is such a thing as so bad it's good? Do you think that that exists? Um, I did for a long time, and now I just kind of am like, why? If you're if you're if you're going on a, a trip to how you feel about a movie, and you swing around bad and come back to good, isn't it just a cleaner path to say it's a good movie with like maybe an asterisk next to it? You know, maybe yeah, it's a I long trip. You know, it was like, oh, maybe it's a longer trip to it being a good movie. But at the end of the day, it's still like a good movie, you know? Well, there's the good, there's the idea of something being good and the idea of enjoying something, you know? And I think what people really say when it's so bad is good is that this is not a movie that they're proud to say that they watched, but it's a movie that they're willing to say they enjoyed. Yes. And I think that that idea... Of that, like, what did we call that? A guilty pleasure, you know, more yeah, or less? Yes, uh, absolutely, absolutely. The idea of a guilty pleasure, to me, silly. You like what you like. If you yeah. like watching this fucking movie swing as hard as it can in every aspect, from cinematography to performance to writing, This movie looks gorgeous, by the way. Like, we didn't talk about that at all, but this movie looks incredible. looks really good. It looks really yeah. fucking good. This movie was supposed to come out during Oscar season, bro. It, it looks yeah. great. Could you imagine if this movie came out during Oscar season, though? Like, it's, it makes sense that it's a fuck you, it's January movie, just because it's so... 
I, I, it makes sense from like a studio release perspective just to dump this thing and get it off the slate as fast <laughs> as you can with like as little notice as it's like you can but imagine if this movie came out in oscar season and like that was like the oscars of fucking phantom thread or the shape of water or something even i feel you know like just also like a, a very earnest sort of season um and this just this kind of curious movie this very curious object that i think you're right this is there's some insane swings that are happening here and i don't like some connection is being made. It's not always a home run, but no. I think there's at least like a base hit most of the time. <laughs> yeah. And the, there is enjoyment to be had in this movie. I think if you watch this and you're not enjoying it, that's like an active choice on your end. I feel like, yeah, this, this movie is fun. This is a, like, it's kind of how I feel about actually some of M night Shyamalan's recent work, actually, where sure. I don't necessarily think the happening is a good movie, quote unquote. But I guess I do in a way because I had a great time watching the happening. Yeah, because there's like it's interesting. It's, it's interesting. And at the end of the day, there's like a lot of movies that are like there's only one happening. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like there's only like for whatever in the alchemy of that movie, the fact that that movie exists in that in that capacity yeah. and as yes. it is is cool. <laughs> it is cool. It's interesting. It's cool that it it's exists. Fun. Yes. It is. And maybe, you know, people would say the same thing about old. I wasn't as big on old. I think old is not as interesting as the happening, but people are loving old, and I have to imagine it's for similar reasons, you know, in a, in a lot of ways. I think old is more straightforward, and in, for me personally, old is more of a straightforward, this is a good movie kind of experience than the happening, where I'm just kind of like, I really appreciate you swinging, as hard as you are here, uh, M night again, not everything is connecting, but man, you are really, really fucking trying. And sometimes when you make those hit swings, you hit a home run or you hit a, totally. a, a triple or something, or you get it off like into, you don't need to, yeah, you don't have there. to hit a home run every time. If you hit singles and doubles, when you go up, everyone likes, I, that's great. Yes. It's still exciting. It's still exciting to get a, a single or a double, you know, it's as exciting as a, a double play. I don't know with that but like an inside the park home run this movie's an inside yes. the park home run this, this i wouldn't movie, go that far i feel like this, this movie is more is like an unforced play. error of a movie honestly <laughs> can i just say real quick we were talking about how beautiful the cinematography is in this movie yes this movie was shot by jess hall jess hall also shot the spectacular now hot mm. fuzz mm-hmm. that movie transcendence directed by wally mm. fister and the ghost in the shell remake as well as what else did they shoot? Here? WandaVision. WandaVision. Yep. Uh, as well as thirty minutes or less and the switch. So, and Son of Rambo. Oh, dude, Son of Rambo is good. Have you seen Son of Rambo? I haven't actually seen Son of Rambo. I've been dying to see that for years. That's a good movie. Uh, all to say, there's there's huge names attached to this film in every single regard. You know, you might not Stephen Knight might not be a household name, but Locke is a known film. You know, yeah, he he was nominated for an Oscar for a movie that he wrote called I think Dirty Pretty Things, and I might be yeah, doing that yeah, wrong. Yeah. He's Let's like see. he's a uh, he's a uh, uh, I think a playwright of some prominence, or maybe a novelist. I can't quite remember, but he's not just a screenwriter. Uh, and like I said, he is the screenwriter of um, the upcoming film Spencer, the uh, the Kristen Stewart Di- Princess Diana movie uh, directed by Pablo Larraín, which is I'm very curious to see what that movie's going to be like. Um, 
Can I say some of my favorite quotes from Serenity? Yes. Ever since your wife died, we haven't caught jack shit. Just an absolute abhorrent thing to say to someone. Just why the fuck would that ever leave your mouth? Just so evil. Uh, I can't afford to lose my license. Jason Clark says, then take the cock out of your mouth, which is just insane. Uh, if I didn't catch any fish all day, I'd find a way to kill you, is what the son says about the Jason Clark character. Uh, Anne Hathaway says, I'm doing this for you, and then they immediately have sex, which is yeah. crazy. Uh, what else? I got one here. Yeah. He hears you through his computer screen. Yeah, that's fucking insane. Bigger hands? <laughs> I wrote down bigger hands. What is bigger hands? Oh, um, oh, oh, oh isn't it, uh... It's, it's, oh god, I I can't remember. It's it's like, uh, fuck, I can't remember. But you know what I I have written in my notes is what? the um the written on. There's a picture of um early in the film when they're do, still doing the setup. You get these flashbacks to McConaughey and a young kid, like a four or five year old, fishing on a dock, and then you know it cuts to the older kid with a picture of Matthew McConaughey and him as you know him as a young a young boy, and you know. You're an audience member. You're a smart uh, film watcher. You're like, oh, okay, like this is the same kid. But the kid flips the picture over and it says me and dad back then. (laughs) 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 And I'm like, okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank thank you for hammering us over the head with that. I was only Uh, 75% sure that that was what was going on. Now I'm 130% sure that's what's going on. Um, I love the, the exchange. It's Plymouth. Everybody knows everything. Yeah, except for what the fuck is going on. <laughs> That's how I feel about the movie. If you could put Serenity... I feel like I feel like most, if not every movie, will tell you how to watch it at some point in the movie. You know what I'm saying? And for the movie Serenity 2019, everybody knows what's going on in Plymouth. Or everybody knows everything. Thing on Plymouth, yeah, except for what the fuck is going on, is how you would, I think, encapsulate that movie <laughs> in McCon- one quote. McConaughey is always moving in this film. Always. He is yeah. never still. It is crazy he's a to video watch game character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even when he's still, he's got a walk cycle that he's got to do, you know? Uh, I genuinely wish people would watch this. I think they would have a great time. And this if you're great, just looking yeah. for a movie to have a great time in, this is I can't recommend this movie enough. I I am it I feel like this has got to be like a midnight movie. Like got to hit that sur- servant yes. circuit at some point. Just cuz like it's not a cult, super like long. a huge cult thing. Yeah, no, it's only like an yeah. hour 45, yeah. Uh just have guys showing up with a fish called tuna tuna called justice, serenity <laughs> like serenity uh charter lines, things like that. Uh, Plymouth, um, Plymouth Tourism Board. I don't know. This movie... I, I there's, saw, not, I, there's not a really intelligent way to talk about this movie. I just wanted to no. make sure people knew about it and that it actually wasn't, like, a throwaway thing. This is a movie that is worth an hour 45 of your time. Genuinely, Absolutely. I think so. I agree. It's, um, it's pretty bug nuts. We did have to get the out of the way for the, spoiler, the spoilers. Um, I don't know if I have much else to say about this movie before I don't we get either. into... MVP, do you want to do your fast facts? Yeah, let's do the fucking fast facts. I don't have a fucking Mercedes Valuable player written down, but I think I know who I got to go with. Um, gotcha. Serenity is a 2019 American fantasy mystery thriller film. I think that's a very it's, it's funny way to talk all about of those it. things. Uh, written, produced, and directed by Stephen Knight. Stars Matthew McConaughey, Anne Hathaway, Diane Lane, 
We didn't really talk about yeah. her that much, but she is in there. Jason Clark, Dejman Hansu, and Jeremy Strong, and follows a fishing boat captain who is approached by his ex-wife to murder her abusive new husband. Another thing we didn't really talk about. This is like, this is almost like a throwback to like a 40s detective noir thing. You know what I mean? Like in terms of like... yeah. Tone, not maybe tone is maybe the wrong word, but definitely in terms of like, but just in the setup. plotting, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. There, she Anne Hathaway looks like she looks incredible in this movie, but she is definitely styled after a. It's just because this movie is so many things at the same time. It's Barbara Stan. She's Barbara Stanwyck in this. Yeah, she does. She absolutely does. Um, and I think that that's, that's the performance she's giving. But again, she's like kind of the only. Her and Jason Clark are the only characters in that particular movie. They're acting like they're in that movie. You know, totally. Matthew McConaughey is going like True Detective mode. Like season he is one, True Detective. So he is looks so insane in this movie. Like he just gets yes. so tan. He smokes so many fucking cigarettes. But it is like kind of um, uh, a tropical rust coal and some <laughs> some level. It literally is someone read Old Man in the Sea and was obsessed with Hemingway and was like, I know exactly, I know what to do now. I know what to yeah, do. Yeah, video games. What if, what if Hemingway was an incel? What if Hemingway was a gamer? Serenity, 2019. Uh, the first announced in January of 2017, principal photography began in Mariudis in that July, I believe is how you say that. In February 2018, Averon Pictures acquired distribution rights to the film. The film was originally scheduled to be released on September 28th, 2018, as Mason said, but then was pushed back to October 19th, 2018. And then again, the actual release date, January 25th, 2019, a.k.a. Dump Month, a.k.a. Fuck You, It's January. Mm -hmm. Following poor test screenings, the movie's distributor, Averon, repeatedly ceased its promotion, reportedly ceased its promotion and advertising efforts. This came even after the film's stars agreed to a full campaign, including any, including a junket and as many late-night and daytime talk shows as would have them. According to Deadline Hollywood, quote, maybe only nine spots aired in obscure locales and not in any time slots that would have helped create awareness for the film. And that film stars, uh, and that's the film stars and directors were misled about the junket and late-night interviews that they were able to participate in to promote the film. In response, Averon said in a statement, quote, as much as we love this film and as much as we hope it finds an audience, we tested and retested the film with audiences and critics alike. And sadly, the data demonstrated that the film was not going to be able to perform to our initial expectations. So we adjusted our budget and marketing tactics accordingly. What a bunch of fucking crock of shit. They don't give a fuck about this movie at all. They don't give a fuck about this movie. Um... So stupid. What do they think was going to happen when they agree? It's, I just, it's, it's, I am, it's, it's like. It is confounding a, in every way. It is incredible that this movie was made, but it's also like, what script were you reading where you're like, oh, this is going to, this is going to bring back what we put into this. You know, I, I just, know. it's, I'm so, I'm, I'm so grateful that somebody, I don't know. I don't, it's, I, it, this movie breaks me, but it's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> Serenity grossed 8.5 mil in the U.S., which is truly more than I thought it would. But I guess given the stars that are in this movie, I guess maybe that's not as crazy a number. But I was still surprised when I read that in U.S. and Canada and 5.8 million in other territories for a worldwide gross of 14.4 million plus 1.4 million with home video sales against a production budget of 25 million. On Rotten Tomatoes, the film holds an approval rating of 20% based on 188 reviews and an average rating of 3.97 out of 10. 
The website Critical Consensus reads, quote, a high concept mystery with a twist. Serenity isn't what it appears to be at first. Unfortunately, it's also not anywhere near as clever or entertaining as it thinks. Christy Lemire of RogerEbert.com gave the film one star, calling it true, <laughs> terrible and insane, and writing, similar to Collateral Beauty in the Book of Henry, recent dramas with a steamed cast that went off the rails in enjoyable, awful ways. Serenity is the kind of movie... Serenity is the kind of bonkers movie that truly must be seen and believed. In his review for the New York Observer, Rex Reed stated that, quote, the new year is not even a month old, but a hunk of junk called Serenity already qualifies as the worst movie of 2019, and that at the critic screening I attended, the audience was reduced to hysterics. The movie ended up on several lists of the worst movies of 2019, including Hollywood Reporter, AV Club, Variety, and CBS News. Here's something that's crazy. Uma Thurman was originally cast, but was replaced by Diane Lane. That would be so insane to see her in this movie. And that character's barely in the fucking movie, all things considered, too. You're right. Um, it would have been, like, just that much better. <laughs> no, it like, would it just would have. But it's... Uh, Diane Lane, it, for, for such a nothing, thankless role, Diane Lane sure does look good in this movie. Baker Dills convert... Shut up. Baker <laughs> Dills converted shipping home... Shipping container home features the Maersk... Maersk? How do you say that? M-A-E-R-S-K. How do you say that? I think Maersk. I'm not sure. Maersk, company emblem, a seven-pointed star. The founder of the shipping company was deeply religious and first used the sign as on his steamship during a time when he was praying for his sick wife and asking for a sign. If a star appeared in the sky, it would mean, quote, the Lord answers prayers. That is so unbelievably deranged and fucking crazy that that is included in this movie. That is so fucking crazy. Did you Last see but not least, the... What's oh, up? sorry. Uh, dude, the last but not least, I, I saw something in the IMDb trivia that I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, last but not least, the film strongly references some famous literary works, including Moby Dick, The Old Man in the Sea, The Rime of the Ancient Mariner, and Shakespeare's The Tempest. That was the last thing I had. What did you have? Uh, Sir Andy, 5.4 out of 10 rating on IMDb. So it's got its fans out there. At uh, one point at the tagline for this movie is on Plymouth Island, no one ever dies, dot, 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 unless you break the rule. <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of like this podcast. No one ever, no one ever dies on this podcast unless, unless you break, you break the, the rules. Yeah. Um, 79 out of 107 people found this particular fact interesting in the IMDb trivia. There are two references to Alcoholics Anonymous and Serenity. Yes. The first reference is that Serenity, the name of Baker's boat, is also a word frequently used in AA. The word is even used in the title of AA meetings, open and closing prayer called the Serenity Prayer. God grant me the Serenity to, you know, this and the other thing. The second reference is that in the film, Baker says that he probably needs to see Dr. Bob. Dr. Bob is what members of AA call Robert Holbrook Smith, who co-founded Alcoholics Anonymous. So... Yeah, I did see that. This movie's got I, some stuff going on in it. This movie's got some deep-seated fucking references and some deep-seated fucking symbolism going on, if you're willing to go there. But only if you break the rules, Mason. Only if you break the rules. Only if you break the rules. Like we said earlier, uh, I'm going to give this just a regular old recommend, even though it's a pretty bonkers fun time. Regular old recommendo for me. My Mercedes Valuable Player... I gotta give it to Jay Strong. I love Jeremy Strong in this movie. He seems to be the only person that knows... He's the most pussy, just most whipped character in the whole fucking movie, dude. 
but he's the only guy that knows what tone the movie's at. And once he tells you what's going on, that's when it opens up and you're like, great, let's fucking go. Um, I just also love Jeremy Strong. I think he's a tremendous actor. And I watched the show. I watched this movie before I ever seen an episode of Succession. Um, I, I just, uh, shout out to Jeremy Strong and I'll give it another, you know what? Fuck it. I'll give a Comerciers valuable player as well to the cinematography in this movie because it looks fucking gorgeous and insane and beautiful, which is just what this movie is. So Noah. So I didn't write down a Mercedes valuable player cause I truly just forgot. I was so caught up in serenity. I just forgot to make my note, but the term Mercedes valuable player. Although it is open for interpretation, the way I interpret value is who is bringing the most value to this project? Mm -hmm. Who is bringing the most oomph? Who is bringing the most... Who's making this what it is at the end of the day? Who, if you took out of the equation, would would this be different in in thought, in, in theory? So I think I have to give it to Stephen Knight. Because I think that the writing and direction of this, without him at the helm, you don't get what this is. I truly don't. I think you take him out of the equation, you throw in fucking anyone else, this is just boring at the end of the day. You know? Mm -hmm. It's weird, but it's boring. I think this movie's fun because of Stephen Knight, truthfully, at the end of the day. The decisions he's making, both on a script level and in a direction level, with all you know, with overseeing the editing, the shot design, the you know, giving direction to the performers, it's got to be Stephen Knight. I got to give it up for my man. So all right. that's my that's what that's why I'm going. Also, Mason, you took your fucking hat off. Put your fucking hat back on. Oh shit! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's it. We're still in serenity mode, bro. So I got to give it to Stephen Knight. Ultimately, Whew. I think that's it. We did a fucking podcast. We did two hours of a fucking podcast today. Um, yeah, we think we gotta be damn. done with this. Yeah, we do gotta be done with this. Uh, <laughs> Noe, do you want to start the plugs here? Yeah, it's my favorite part of the show, so I'll start. You can email us. Everybody wants two. The number two. Get on the list at gmail.com. Send us an email. We might we might read that shit on the show. Ha-ho. You can also... We might. Ha-ha. We probably will. You can follow us on social media, too, at it's on underscore the list on Instagram and at it's on the list pod. All that is in the link tree for the show, though, so you can go to one place, one time, click one thing, and you'll be following us in no time, baby. Mm-hmm. You can... Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at Noah Marger on Twitter, at Noah.Marger on Instagram. You can follow me on Letterboxd, at Moa Narger. And you can listen to my other podcast, my favorite podcast, the podcast about people's favorite things. This week, we're talking to the sound designer, Griffin Fisher, about the oft-memed but little-respected genre of vaporwave music. All right. Hell yeah. So Let's go. We'll be looking at three essential albums of vaporwave, according to Griffin. You'll find those out when they are, well, I guess by the time this episode comes out, that episode will already be out, but you'll know what they are when the fucking episode drops. And uh, on a not as fun note, but on a note that I think is important, uh, shout out to Everything Now. They recently, unfortunately, just after Rocky came on the show, they have suffered a... uh, a tragedy, ultimately. Their studio a, a is really devastating, A really devastating uh, event, um, unfortunately. Couldn't think, like, can't think of people that deserve this less, you know? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Just... It's so insane. I mean, we've had, you know, three of the five Everything Now members on this show. I'm involved in that show. 
uh, and it's really sad. I've been talking to them all week, been helping them out as much as I can, uh, and hopefully that GoFundMe goes live, and we can put that in the show description notes and yeah. everything. If you're unfamiliar with what happened, the show is in a uh, the show studio was in a duplex. The left, or excuse me, the upstairs duplex on the right hand side burned. There was an electrical fire, they think, and it burned and destroyed that unit. Luckily, Chris, Jake, the other roommate, and the cats that live in their unit were completely unharmed, but the studio was decimated, unfortunately, and that was where they did the show from. So the show is on hiatus uh, indefinitely until they're able to figure that out, and so hopefully we'll have updates here in the future, and hopefully there is a some sort of donation thing that we can, you know, plug later on, but just... Uh, shoot them a follow either on Twitch or yeah. Instagram or Twitter or something. They're really going through it right now. And it's really unfortunate. And I'm, you know, feel badly for them. And I get, you know, as a supporting cast member, I'm not part of the like core five, you know, or whatever. But I, I was very sad to hear it. I'm like, fuck, I can't do everything now, you know, for the foreseeable future. And that was sad for me. And I just can't imagine what it's like for those guys. And that's, you know, that's their baby. So it's really yeah. sad. We, we love those guys. We love those, that show. I, I feel like, um, uh, it, it it like Noah said, give them a follow, follow Chris Rocky, um, Jake or the other cast members on Instagram or Twitter, however you can to keep up with updates with that show. Cause I've, I've only been in the audience of that show once on Twitch, but it's so fucking fun. And I was looking forward to coming back, logging back on and, and supporting them, um, just by watching the damn thing and just being in the comments there. But that's going to have to be on pause for a little bit while they get their life together here. So again, nothing but love for that whole cast, that production. And, and I hope certainly hope that they can get that up and running sooner rather than later. But um, hopefully there's something that we can do on our side here to help them out in the foreseeable future. By the time I'm getting these notes, um, the notes and the show notes together here. Uh, is that all you wanted to plug? Is that all you wanted to? I think so. I mean, that was pretty much it. I guess if you haven't listened gotcha. to Mason and I's episode of I vs. the Big Boys, that came out as well. But really just the everything yeah. now thing. You know, just yeah. hopefully we'll have updates about a ways that can't you can support them if you're able to or interested in helping. And, you know, literally was not, it was completely out of con- their control. It was an external event yeah. that, you know, fucked up their whole situation. So, um I, an act of you know, God. <laughs> an, well, <laughs> an act of Satan, <laughs> let's say more yeah. so. An act of the fucking devil. But hopefully there will be things to do that we can help with in the uh, coming days, in the immediate future. But for now, follow the show on Instagram, follow the show on Twitter, follow those guys You know, on Twitch, even though they're not streaming right now. They do some really awesome stuff. It's awesome to be a part of that show when I am able to be a part of it and just feel really badly for them. So shout out to those Folks, shout out to Rocky Parrito, Jake Allen Bogan, Chris Chalakian, Sydney Adams, and Alex Alsup, uh, the, the core five members, and everyone who watches everything now on a regular basis. Everyone who's in the chat, everyone who's in the Discord. It's awesome. And I just hope that they can get their shit, not their shit figured out in like a, in, a, in a punitive sense, but I just hope they can get their shit figured out so they can keep doing the show. So shout out to Absolutely. those guys. Really feel shout badly, and I hope they figure it out. Shout out to those guys. Um, we uh, prayers up in the motherfucking chat for everything now. Um, those are Noah's plugs. My plugs. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at hotdogdebicki on on Letterboxd under my name. 
you can buy a shirt or a sticker um, at the link in either my uh, Twitter or my Instagram. That's Mason-Merchquire. It's a Teespring, so it's Mason-Merchquire.Creator-Spring.com. It's a lot of bullshit, but you can find the link to that on my Twitter or Instagram. You can also listen to my other podcast, The Barn, a podcast about The Shield, um, alongside any uh, first time or rewatch you are going to do of the FX original series, The Shield. You can also, as always, find me on the streets of Chicago, or on a rainy day on the bus, or on the train. Uh, As we say to end up the show, folks, tell someone you love them this week, do something you love this week. Thank you for listening. We will see you all next time. Thank you guys. Have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye.